0: Welcome to The Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Ineash Brodsky. I'm Stephen Zuber.
1: I'm Jay Sticky.
0: And we have a guest with us today. Levi, please introduce yourself.
2: Uh, hi, I'm Levi Barrett.
0: Hello, hey. Levi. Levi is Ferb on the Discord, and we have invited him here today to talk about labor law. Uh, specifically because I don't know... I, I have discovered that I don't know what the hell unions are or how they work or why... And there seems to be stuff going down in the U.S. right now uh, that could have big effects. Uh, I'm thinking specifically about the big railroad strike that is scheduled, maybe question mark? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and we'll probably get more into that later as the um, as the repercussions of what we're talking about. But before all that, like, I want to know even what the hell it is we're talking about because I get the feeling I was lied to a lot in my high school social studies classes.
2: So the basics of like unions are. It's kind of hard to explain depending on the time period. But assuming like we're talking about now, it's basically just a group of people who uh, vote to form an organization and then they collectively negotiate with management at a company
0: for their contract. So they all have the same contract. That's what I have been taught, too. But then like a whole bunch of other stuff cropped up uh, uh, as far as I could tell. So
1: I feel like Uh, if it were just that, people wouldn't be so up in arms. Yeah, you know. Are you trying I, to protect unions or anti-union?
3: You know. At its purest, that's, I think, what it sounds like. I'm not an expert either, but the I think the, the the idea is that instead of having, like, all the power be at the top where management says, you do this, you have to do that, you know, fuck you. The workers are all like, look, we've all decided that you can't screw with us. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's an inversion of the power dynamic where if the management wants to screw with one person, it's like, well, then we've all prepared to walk, you know? And that's awesome. Yeah, I, I always Sounds thought it was very great. Heroic. Yeah, the downside, Absolutely. I guess, would only be if you didn't want to walk when the rest of the union did because yeah. you like getting
0: paid. But that's yeah. part of the part. You know, part of the pros and cons. But I started hearing some things about unions which really confused me. So I had a bunch of questions to ask about this sort of thing first. How unions are since the 1950s is basically
2: how unions are. But if you go before 1950, things get very weird and very different. <laughs>
3: We can stick with post-1950 then, for sure. No. Just because it seems more relevant to whatever's happening well, I think the
1: history now. could be yeah, interesting. I, I was going to say, I kind of want to hear the history. Like, um, we, I realized we asked, hey, what? Like, how would you describe unions? And then we didn't let you answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh, I, I was kind of done with my description. It was that simple. <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess my first question is, am I ever forced by the government to work if I'm not in the military? Because... It sounds like the government can say you have to come to work, and that seems really fucked up to me. That that's basically slavery, right? Is that yeah, slavery?
1: Wage slavery? No, yep. w-
0: wage slavery is a term for like, oh, I have to pay my bills, and therefore I'm a slave. I which I no, think is silly. This is
1: like actual wage slavery. Yeah, it's slavery, but you do get paid for it.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so is there things where the government can force you to work?
2: In some cases, yes. Like. We were talking about the railroad strike. If that goes through, they will probably try to force them to go back to work anyway. Probably by threat of force using the military.
0: How the fuck is that remotely legal under U.S. law to force people to work? <sighs> At gunpoint. At gunpoint, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I mean, that'd be terrible, but
3: wouldn't, what a picture that would be on the newspaper.
2: Well, The reason like with railroads specifically is in the past when railroads have gone on strike, they've come very close to overthrowing the government. So, they've decided railroads just can't strike, or if they can, it's very limited.
1: Would have been in a time when the alternative was like horses, right?
2: Um, well, as late as the 1920s, this was going on.
1: Okay. But I mean, it's still like you couldn't transport large amounts of (laughs) goods across the country
0: uh, otherwise. I mean, you still can't. Trucks exist. It's not enough compared to.
1: We use trucks a lot. Yeah. But compared to how many people and machines you need, yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: The So, I why why can the government do that? I mean, is it an actual law that says we can just force people to work?
2: Um, it's one of the uh, laws regarding railroads. I believe it's called the Railroad um, Labor Law. I can't remember the exact name of it. Um, but, yeah, there's a few instances like um, there's the Taft-Hartley Law, which is kind of where unions kind of went cr- completely changed in the 1950s. And basically, that made it so if you want to go on strike for specific things, you're not allowed to anymore.
0: So, so what things can you go on strike for?
2: Only things re- relating to your work, into your specific uh, company. Before that, you could go on strike for political political causes, uh, general strikes where they would just like the entire country or the entire city would just shut down and they'd basically take over temporarily. And yeah. I can...
0: So I can totally see why the government would not want to have a rival government made up of unions uh, around, but like, are they, I'm having a hard idea of conceptualizing how this works. Just you, especially in in skilled knowledge work, you can't just go to people and say, go to work now or we'll shoot you, right? Like, how does this even work? Do they say if you don't show up to work with, are you in jail?
3: Yes. I wonder, I mean... You could probably do like a like a slowdown, you know, where you go, you're working, but you're working at like a third the usual speed, you <laughs> know, just, just to infuriate them, like just find the cost where they start arresting people.
2: I
0: mean, I, I suppose you could quit your... Can you not quit your job? Uh, you can qu- quit your job. Okay, so you can at least quit your job. Yeah. Could you just not show up at your job?
2: Uh, no, they would... I believe they would bring you in, which they have done before.
0: I I'm... <laughs> This whole thing seems like a gross violation of basic rights, and I I have a hard time understanding why people aren't enraged by this and don't know about it. I assume they sign those rights away when they take the job.
3: Like, I'm not saying that that's cool or whatever, but I doubt it's a surprise to people who work in the industry.
0: Is that if you, no matter what job you have, or is that only if you're part of a union? It's only if you're part of a union. So if I'm not, I guess, on a union's list of members, I can just not go to work and the government can't force me to work?
2: Yes, which is kind of imagine how that that happened
3: and this is just for like specific industries like railroad and stuff, right, like necessary infrastructure, yes. Not like King Supers or whatever had that strike last year
2: I'm, okay, like that sort of yeah. makes sense in some what stores, if, like, like people- um like if all like the stores in the town
0: shut down, they might get a little hesitant about it because now people can't get the products so if the, all the store if all the store retail unions went on strike, just a general strike then the government could come in and be like, hey, get back to work or we're throwing you in jail. Yes. Society will collapse if you don't do your job for a week. I, I think that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, Like, I'm, I'm not saying
3: I'm on board and people should ever be forced to work, but if you sign a contract that says, you know, as long as you know what you're agreeing to, I, I can see the, the case for that. Like, I, I'm not saying I agree with it, but at least it's,
0: it's sensible. Uh, I guess it makes sense if you think of unions not as a collection of employees that are are, you know, working as a bargaining group against their employer, but rather as another miniature government. Yeah. Because you don't rival governments (laughs) challenging your power.
2: It is kind of how it operates. I mean, technically we have uh, like big labor or big union organizations like the AFL CIO, which is essentially a labor government, but they're not allowed to go on strike for, like I said, political causes or any of that.
0: Okay. So what, I'm assuming that the unions then have some kind of actual legal presence. There's a law defining what a union is and what rights they have and what things they can't do. It's not just a bunch of people who got together and just said, we'll talk to the boss as a group, right?
2: Yeah. Early on, it it was like that where it was just a group of people going up to the boss. But as time progressed, it slowly became more and more a legal framework.
0: So what makes a union with a capital U actually become a union? Do they have to register with the government or something?
2: Well, what they have to do is um, I believe it's one third of the members have to sign union cards, which triggers a union election. And if 50% of the members vote to join a union, they're formally a union.
0: And is this union like registered with the government or where does it exist on paper?
2: It's registered with the National Labor Relations Board is what it's called. And
0: once your union is registered as part of the National Labor Relations Board, what powers and rights do they have that just a group of people themselves wouldn't have?
2: Well, they can't be fired for any reason well, once they're under contract. And they Holy all- shit. Yeah. You,
0: wait, wait. You can't be fired for any reason?
2: I mean, they can't be fired. They're not at will anymore. They can't just be fired because I don't like you.
0: Oh, okay. So they can be fired, but there has to be some specific reason. You can't be fired paperwork. for no reason anymore. Yeah. Okay, okay.
2: And there's a lot of other protection, protections that come with it, like unfair labor practices that it could sue for, which a lot of places are doing right now. Like if they break any, like if they, they try to restrict the union's freedom, basically, or the workers' freedom.
0: What are the unfair things that can't be done?
2: Well, one is uh, like messing with the election itself to form a union, messing with the ability to be informed about the union. Um spying on the workers, obviously. Uh and other things like that. What is spying on the workers? Um they often do like especially in our technical world uh now, they will spy on the workers and kind of find out if they're thinking about joining a union. And like sometimes bring them into a back room and ask them, Are you thinking about joining?
0: And you're not allowed to ask someone that question? Yep. It's a protected right.
1: You can kind of see the adversarial relationship, right?
0: I mean it feels weird that you aren't even allowed to ask the question. I think it's
3: just a slippery slope because, you know, you could ask in the same breath. You know, I think you're joining a union. Uh, we're, <laughs> not, we're not big fans of unions around here. You're fired. of the implication. Well, it'd be Well, shame if your hours got cut. You know? Oh,
0: okay, okay. I see. Yeah. yeah.
3: So I think that they just draw a hard, you know, giant line between like management can't talk about unions with employees. So then how I, does how does union busting work then? Because they can bring in outside consultants to say you 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 shouldn't unionize because it sucks for all these reasons.
2: In many countries, that's not allowed. But in the U.S., because of just how bad our labor laws are, they're allowed to basically, as you said, just bring in outside people to do it, and sometimes bring in like undercover workers to break out the union.
3: <laughs> it, <laughs> by how do you by kids, in?
0: Unions suck, doesn't it? <laughs> by bringing in outside people, is that is that just someone who? comes around and tells people this is the bad parts of unions yeah
2: or lying to them
0: or lying okay i think that i think that's that's might be a point of
3: contention amongst pro and anti-union people is they come in and show them tell them the downsides kind of like people might come in to a school and tell them the downsides of like safe sex or vaccines right Okay, okay like okay sure you can say that there are legit downsides to vaccines like some people have allergic reactions but it's Unlikely that someone would be motivated enough to be to take a paycheck to go tell kids about that, unless they're also lying to them about other bullshit. Right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think people should be told the truth about things in general. Like if you if vaccines really are on net very positive, I think it's a great idea to tell people. Yeah, there's some downsides. There's some small risk, but your life is a lot better than if people didn't take vaccines. No, I agree. But I
3: just think that if someone was motivated enough to like make it their job, where they go around talking about the dangers of vaccines. They're gonna do it. They're not gonna do. They're not gonna be intellectually honest about the information they're delivering.
1: I'm guessing is the yeah. I had a one of the what was it like the abstinence only sex education at my school, and they did bring in speakers that talked about like that, you know that did present very skewed information, and I guess that was like their hobby horse or whatever. And then it was obviously like the school board and the parents' interests to discourage kids from having sex.
0: What was the skewed information they brought in? I'm just, curious you know, just this like
1: t- talking up the horrors of stds and how if you get pregnant it'll ruin your life and
0: Mm-mm. i think it seems like we have very much internalized those uh those lessons regardless yeah. <laughs> but we are getting off the topic so if we don't join a union is it okay for me to talk to my coworkers and be like hey let's not come into work this particular day until the boss agrees to give us some more money yes that's allowed but Unlike if you're in a union, you
2: have no protection. Like in a union, if you do that, they can't fire you for uh, going on strike,
0: basically. But if you are in a union, then they can make it illegal to talk to people about going on strike on certain days. Yes. If if they're considered imp- essential important for some reason, yeah. Or or if it's a general strike or whatever. So so I guess it comes with some protections, but also now the government gets to tell you what you can and can't not go to work for.
2: Yeah. That's very much like in the modern era of U.S. labor law. In a lot of other countries, that's not the case. They can't force you to go to work.
0: I guess the weird thing is it feels like I thought unions were there to empower me, that I could stand up to management with my other workers and, and represent ourselves as a group and be like, look, you either do this or all of us are walking. And instead, it sounds like unions are just signing on to another government and they get to make decisions for us, like how much we get to be paid and what we can and can't strike over. And it doesn't I was always told that this is an empowering thing for myself. And it seems like it's just another government to sign up to. And hopefully there'll be. a good.
2: (laughs) I mean, you do vote for the people who are in charge of your union and could recall them if you don't like them.
3: Yeah, so I think I think that it's whereas you can't recall management, right? Yeah, yeah but so I mean, if no, ma- if your union leader is whatever shafting you, or if you feel like they are, mm-hmm. you can you can get them kicked out and replace them. Whereas, like, if your boss is shafting you, you just have to you
0: know try and take it. But no matter who the union leader is, you're now stuck under these laws that are written by the government, telling you when you can and can't not work. But you're helping. Like, I think the difference. I think the main difference is that it puts the. The people drafting the laws in this
3: case, like in the, if the union's like a little government, people drafting them and voting them on are you, not just like the dictatorship of the owner of the company.
0: No, but I think the main person drafting the laws is the actual federal government, right? Yeah, like you have some. No, yeah, you got some wiggle room of what you can do, but the federal government is the one that says you can do this, you can't do that.
3: Yeah, well, uh, that that sounds like it might be a complicating factor because you can't really get around that if you. I mean. It's, it seems like if that's the case and there's, I'm not sure what the exact like federal raw laws are regarding unions, but like just, just cause they've got some stupid case, whatever, if you're in the railroad, you have to keep working or whatever. Like, I guess so. you I, you say, okay, I'd rather take, I'd rather bite that bullet and get all these perks, mm-hmm. you know, like sick days, paternal leave, you know, stuff like that. Um, or wait, uh, family leave, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh,
0: um, oh, I think that's why we got Ferb here to tell us what the federal laws are.
3: Yeah. So I guess I, I, I'm i just trying to respond to your incredulity is like, here's how I'm thinking about it. But yeah, sanity check us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, Well, that's kind of how it is in the present day. Um, Before the 1950s, what the unions would often do is they would go on strike to say, hey, this is all we want the federal government to change. And then they made it illegal for unions to do that. So un- unions no longer had a voice in the federal government.
0: I think I think that's a good thing. I'm not sure I want small groups of of people working in an industry to have a huge say in the federal government, right? I want them to have th- say
3: in things about what it's like working in that industry or what people working in that industry should be entitled to or, you know.
0: I mean, I, I think the people in the industry should be able to argue with their bosses about what they're entitled to. But if they're getting the federal government involved, then they're getting, you know, the entire country and the force of weaponry involved. It sounds yeah. like the
3: federal government erred itself into the union issue.
0: Yeah. So which like sucks. But,
3: well, so it sucks, but like as long as they did, then it's like, all right, fine, if you guys are gonna get involved, then we have to get involved, you know, as well, right?
0: Like I guess I would prefer not to, because in that case I can still meet with my fellow workers and just be like, hey, let's not go into work this day until the boss talks with us.
2: Well the downside of that is before all these laws were in place, how unions and the companies would decide things is basically with guns. The union would would have an army. The
0: company would have an army, and they'd fight it out. Well, that sounds absolutely terrible. I guess I can see why the government got involved. Why? Who? What? Why were there? Why did they arm up and start shooting at each other?
2: Um, they basically for the same reasons now of they want higher wages, they want less hours. But since there was no legal protection, their only protection was a gun. <laughs> what
0: well, couldn't. All right, I, I'm very confused here. They want higher wages, so they go to their employer with guns and said, "Pay us more, or we'll shoot you." Yeah,
3: <laughs> that sounds like robbery. <laughs> is there is there an example that people might have heard of or be able to Google about this? Because uh, I never heard about like a violent holdup of of management. You know, I, ma- I could imagine Amazon warehouse workers, whatever, walking in all carrying and be like, "All right, we're taking over. We want ten more dollars an hour." But
0: I'd, I'd, I'd like to see how that would possibly shake out. Didn't there used to be a lot of places where they would come in and seize the factories and say,
1: seize the means of production? Yeah, yeah.
0: you can't you give us more money or we're taking all your machines from you? Yeah, the biggest example I would say
2: is the coal strikes of the 1910s, where basically it was just warfare for about 10 years with the unions on one side and the companies on another side. I can kind. I, I'm just speculating, knowing nothing about this,
3: that they probably tried asking nicely first, yeah, and then less nicely, <laughs> yeah. and then it's like they're probably told, you know, get back to work and slapped, and they're like, okay, cool, I'm going to bring my gun and yeah, I'm going
0: to get treated better. Well, I, I, mean, I, I, I why don't no, you quit your job?
3: Maybe it's the best, the only job in town. Maybe it's all you're qualified to do. Like it's 1910, you can't like grab a car and move one state over, you know? I like, and yeah, very often I all the companies were like this. <laughs> Okay. So no matter but where but you I want the to the next state, you, you could rent a carriage if you could afford one. Still a, right? That would be
1: a significant upheaval of your life, though. Yeah. You know, if you have a family, yeah. a house, or whatever. Like, yeah,
3: but I mean, like, you, you don't have the power to like, just get up and move out of the state like,
0: on your own, really. I guess it would be hard, but like, if you talk to your fellow union members and you're like, we're not going to the mine until they pay us better, then your employer is shit out of luck. They've got to pay you better, right?
2: Well, what they would do is they would bring in other workers who aren't in a union often called scabs, because if you're going on a strike, you're striking at the heart of the company, scabs, stop the waiting. Um, so scabs would come in and they would work uh, weakening the power of the union, and they still do that today.
0: So there's people who want these jobs and are willing to do them for less, but the union workers won't let them take the jobs?
2: Uh, they'll try to stop them, but I mean, nowadays they're, they're not allowed to stop uh, them from going in. But basically, yeah, it weakens the power of the union because... They're working for a lot less, with a lot less, less benefits. So it's harder to negotiate if someone's willing to do that job.
0: I mean, that that makes total sense to me, but that also seems like it should be okay. Is there any reason I should take a job from someone else and demand I get paid more?
2: Well, the reason, yeah, I mean, they were paid less, actually, than the union workers.
0: No, I know. But what the workers union workers are doing, in effect, is telling someone you can't have this job. I want it and I'm going to get paid more for it. Right? Yeah. I think the idea is like, you can always find somebody desperate enough to take a job for next to nothing. Right.
3: And like, yes, that's the case. And that's like the, it's not sustainable though. It's not sustainable though. That's, that's the, that's the, I think the punchline, but I mean, that's the case that people have against, uh, you know, minimum wage requirements. It's like, look, I can find somebody who'll do this job for $3 an hour. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I suppose. But like, you know, I'm not an economist. I don't. I don't know the whole chain of reasoning, but I don't think that just letting the people who will come in and do this for the least amount of money will, in aggregate, work out the best for everybody. Like, I think that's like the the model of like whatever free libertarian capitalism is that it will actually work out the best for everybody. Yeah. But I think they
0: have a very contrived definition of best. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could see how it works out worse for the employer because they're losing good skilled people, and maybe the people who work for less work for less because they suck or are less productive or something but or they're you know,
3: they're more desperate.
0: Yeah. You know. Like if you you have a house with one other
3: full time housemate if you had a place that had six other full-time housemates, you'd be paying one-sixth
0: of what you need, or I guess whatever, one-third of what you pay now. Um, I mean, in that case, why don't you just move into a mansion and be like, look, I need to get paid six figures in order to support myself, so you have to pay me six figures at McDonald's. At some point, reasonableness <laughs> rears his ugly head. But I, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, if, if you live in a shitty apartment, I guess I'm saying, if
3: you have, if you, like, have next to no cost of living because your life is in... Uh, a place that most people wouldn't want to live in right like well, I'll take anything I can take over abject poverty yeah right? um I, I don't
0: know I guess I mean it seems like you're refusing those people the ability to have even a little job and they have to be in abject poverty instead they can go i mean i th- the, I suppose
3: the union's counter argument is a join us maybe it's like yeah join us sure or, you if know, they can be convinced me to join them then sure or fuck them because like there's thirty of us there's you know less of you that right, right. you know so like it's a, fuck the poor people we can kill them if we need to right I mean that's also, the management's position. But, uh, the uh, management likes the poor people. They're working for them. <laughs> but the... Uh, I think it's... Um, oh, where's my third thought going with this? Uh,
0: it just seems like it's an anti-poor person thing. That if you want to work for less, fuck you. You can't have jobs.
2: Well, Ideally, they'd want them all to join the union and get paid more. But
0: in modern times, it's not really the case with just how bad labor law is nowadays. I mean, if you can convince them to join the union, then that's great. But Maybe. if convincing them to join the union means they can't have a job, then I don't know why they would join the union, right? Maybe the argument would be like,
3: look, there's lots of $3 an hour jobs. Go find another one because we're trying to negotiate our business over here. And like, I get it. Like, that's not necessarily fair to that person. But if they're willing to work for three bucks an hour in this hypothetical, they can probably find someone else that'll pay them to do something for three bucks an hour. It's yeah. not like the union owns the job. You can't be like, this is my job. Go get a different one somewhere else. I think the union is trying to make it basically like that. So they that
0: they own the jobs. That's really fucked up. I don't think that should be legal.
3: Well, I think it has.
0: is isn't the person paying the employee, the one who owns the job. Maybe, maybe I'm maybe we're oh, sorry tomorrow. for, for yeah, talking but, over you. Go ahead.
2: Um, I had to look at the specific name for it. But basically, right to work. That's what it's called. In right to work states, um, the the unions don't own a job. But in non right to work states, they basically own a job and could say anyone who works here must join our union. Well, that sounds pretty fucked up. Am I am I wrong in thinking that? I guess it
3: depends on the union. And you as the employee, you get to pick where you want to work. You know, so if one union has set requirements, the other one doesn't. Hmm. You you're just on the job market. You get to make whatever trade offs everyone else makes, right?
2: yeah and I, also you could join a different union
3: is that is that the case for every job and every non because we're all in colorado a right to work state where your employer can say i'm firing you because uh well actually they can't cite like a specific reason like your hair color but it's like, at will employment they, yeah it's at it's at will it's like all right yeah we're we're not we don't want you to work here anymore sorry tough shit yeah um yeah, maybe it's because you're I not work the, and we to work have state. a lot of
0: jews yeah. in our workplace <laughs>
2: Sorry, say that again. Uh, I'm also in a right to work state. Ohio famously is very right wing. <laughs> okay.
3: And so you're saying that states that aren't right to work, is it every job that has unions or is it just like a lot of them? Because I imagine there's McDonald's in every state. I don't know if any of them have unioned employees.
2: Right now, they might. I, mean, I have no idea. There's only one fast food company and only one fast food location in America that's unionized. And if you're not including Starbucks, which in the last year just unionized a whole bunch. I think it's some I'm just, like, Burgerville or something that's the only unionized fast food company.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm looking at this the wrong way, but I've known because I, I come from an immigrant family and a lot of people that try to work for themselves and make their way. I knew a guy who started up a game store on his own, which was amazing for me because I was a total nerd gamer and I knew the owner and you know we played at his store. But uh, for a while, he got pretty big and he had a couple employees and then eventually he Went in with another partner. And, and anyways, it, there's a whole story behind it. But for a while, he had a couple employees because he couldn't man the store fucking seven days a week, 16 hours a day. Uh, it wasn't quite 16, but it was more than 12 hours a day. And uh, I- I'm just like trying to imagine from his point of view, if if his employees came up and said, by the way, this these aren't y- your jobs where you can hire people to work for anymore. These are now our jobs. You have to employ us. You have to pay us. And this is what you have to pay us. And if you don't like it, tough shit. No one else can work here. Like, that seems incredibly fucked up to me, especially since I knew him as he was starting this store from nothing and digging into his personal savings and living off ramen so that he could finance it. Like, how is it
1: okay? I don't think anybody would unionize against this guy.
0: I (laughs) I mean, I've literally heard stories in the past month where people have done that. But I think... That may be an extreme situation right now and, and that's not normally likely, but it's basically the same thing right i
2: understand. you would negotiate with like the the union would negotiate with the company of this is what we'll pay et, et cetera basically like what benefits you're gonna give us and they mm-hmm. they decide together what what they will be paid and what rule yeah. for, uh, for employment are, and the employer could just find new workers or they could agree-, agree to the union's demands, or the union could change yeah. their demands.
0: And that's basically how it happened. Because I mean, there was no union, but it was one guy and two people he knew, and so they talked things out and figured it out. But with if a union was involved, he literally would not be able to say no. That's not a good deal. I'll go. I'll go see if someone else can fill a position. Right? He would have to keep paying them and employing them.
2: Well, he can find other workers who aren't in a union.
0: But if the law was that if you, there's a union in a workplace, you have to join the union to work there, then he couldn't do that.
2: Yeah,
3: that, that's correct. Well, hold on. How does the, how does the union of two employees uh, like <laughs> force the company? No, I, I, I'm like for real though. How, how do they force the company into a union? Doesn't the company have to, like, at some point, consent to having unionized employees?
0: No, I don't think so. I think uh, uh, Levi, please correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it just like a vote? And if it passes, then the federal government now has the guns on their side. Yes. Right. Hmm. And I mean, I know this is a silly toy example with just two employees, but I don't see how it's in principle different from a large company with several hundred employees. Well, I do wonder
3: if the, if it was as easy as getting two employees to take over a company, mm-hmm. I
0: would think that people would be doing that all the time. Well, again, the 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 thing that I heard most recently was a example where that happened and then the shop immediately closed down. Right. Because the employer so those, was like, those, well, those I can't do business anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. I,
3: we're thinking of Mina's world, right?
0: Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know if that—that's a typical example.
0: It's probably not. No.
1: I could—I I see it as being much different. I mean, what ends up happening is you—you know—gather um, all of the power at the top of a company.
4: Yeah.
1: And yeah, you could make a business and say, "Hey, I—you know—here's my business, and I want to hire workers who will work, yeah, like twelve-hour days, no breaks, and you get paid three dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and that you, again, like that's an extreme example or whatever, but like yeah. you're say you're like the biggest industry in the town, mm-hmm. and people are desperate enough, like you, you, that's just. I was going to say there's
2: unions that like span the entire country, so they can just collectively decide what everyone's going to be paid nationwide. Nice the big one I know of, what well, there's two big ones: the Auto Workers Union, and then I would collectively say like all the Hollywood unions because they're very weird. All the companies have a union. All the workers have a union. It's weird.
3: That's a, that's the example I knew of was the Writers Guild, mm. um, where I think it was in two thousand seven or nine or something yeah, around. Yeah,
0: where where remember TV sucked for a year because every writer went on strike. <laughs> See, I thought TV was great because people started doing things that they didn't get paid for, just as passion projects, and it was really cheap because no one had money, but. <laughs> It was weird and esoteric and fun. That was where Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog came from, and that was good shit. Like late that was night, protest
1: like, art. I mean, you shouldn't create conditions that make people want to protest <laughs> so you can have good <laughs> protest art. That's kind of nuts. <laughs> That's
0: true, yeah.
2: yeah. The Writers Guild and like all those ones in Hollywood are very weird because they basically have five major unions there. One for the writers, one for actors, one for the people behind the stage and all that. And what they do is all five unions together um, organize, and then all the companies, just like Netflix, Disney, um, I'm trying to think of what else there is they formed their own <laughs> union. <laughs> and then basically, there's just two union organizations, the company owners and the workers, and they just come together as an entire industry and say, "This is what all of Hollywood and all of America is going to do for media industry." jesus it's
1: now that's yeah like i mean it seems it seems like there's
0: it's weird i kind of get your point jace because
1: well no what i was gonna say is it seems like it th- there's potential for exploitation on both sides yeah yeah because yeah so you know the big corporation can be the only game in town and treat their workers like crap but then the unions can get really big and bully all the employers
0: yeah like if, if, their if,
1: own little government and also you know which i, I kind of like I'm still on their side because it's still small people versus the big guy. But then when it gets problematic, I think is when everywhere is unionized and then you have to like basically it's like if you want a job, you have to join a union and pay union dues and do what the union wants, whether you agree with it or not.
2: With the really big unions, they start to get a little more corrupt because the higher up you go in the union organization, the less connected (laughs) you are with the workers and you're just focused on your own um, political career, basically
1: that's hilarious yeah. because they're created like they're they've become the enemy that they were fighting originally. right <laughs> you were
0: supposed to bring balance to the force <laughs> like the famous I, I,
2: one is the, the former president of the teamsters union was yeah basically yeah um what was his name jimmy everyone, hoffa yeah everyone knows who jimmy hoffa is <laughs> and how yeah. rough he was <laughs>
0: yeah Basically organized crime boss. Yeah. It's
1: (laughs) yeah, there's kind of a fine line between a union and organized crime.
0: Yeah. Uh, There's a fine line between any organization and organized crime, right? That's true. (laughs) I kind of see your point because if there's just one corporation somewhere and it's making X profit, it can it can drive down all the wages and force people into poverty and take much more profit from them. And I think in the long term it wouldn't work out because the people would leave, they wouldn't have workers if new workers came can for
1: people to leave it is but especially it would especially if you live in a country or you're like you
0: know no no i agree but over over the off. course of decades people would leave people would be miserable probably more pe- new people wouldn't show up or if they would it'd just be temporary it's like but i can i can see how like in the end this is bad for the company too because they're they're running their shit into the ground by not paying a decent wage but in the meantime they've destroyed their company they've destroyed this city or, or this town, I can totally see the people that live there being like, you know what, fuck this, taking up arms and seizing the place because yeah, I mean, we don't we don't want our village destroyed. We don't want to be scattered to all the other cities. This this is our home, and uh,
1: you're going to pay us more. or We're going to kill you. Do you think a lot of CEOs are concerned with like? well, maybe I don't know. This is my own negative view of. <laughs> power structures but like i think a lot of people are focused on short-term gains and they don't care about driving the company into the ground they want to yeah. <laughs> become a millionaire <laughs>
0: <Get> yeah <out. laughs> and that, that would i i agree and i i think that would be one of the reasons that people would take up arms and say no just no I... and if the company does go bust well because you know they can't afford to work under those margins well the, the city was going to go to the winds anyway right
1: i think that happens
0: i mean honestly it just seems like another power struggle to me and that's okay i guess there's power struggles everywhere but it's no longer the romantic small employee (laughs) versus big boss it's more just like here's politics and here's power and this is what we got to navigate
1: but isn't that what everything breaks down to
0: i guess (laughs) i still find myself
3: confused that why don't we hear of more and more cases of bill's game shop being taken over by the two employees that work there i think because most people are nice they don't want to do that
1: I was going to say, I don't, Why people wouldn't take up arms. And I'm like, that actually, like, it takes a lot for, to get people to take up arms, especially if you're already in poverty, and you have a family and you don't have weapons.
3: Don't have to, it doesn't have to be arms. If, if all it took was like me and, you know, Jeff, the other guy who worked there to be like, hey, why don't we tell the boss we're we're unionizing, we want twice as much money, it's like yeah. and yeah. Extremely we'll get risky that move, for the though. month that it takes for yeah. him to go out of business and we'll make money. Why Why isn't that happening every week what? usually it's
0: because they know the boss like the guy who owned the game store knew his or workers because
1: they know that the boss will say hell no you're fired yeah,
2: it was going well, to yeah, but- a lot of cases. <laughs> what since they can't fire you for joining a union they'll make something up which all companies do anyway uh okay. why they like, fired like <laughs>
1: yep yeah. sorry i didn't i didn't hear uh what what did you say they would do
2: uh they just make up an excuse for why they fired you and oh. for you uh, saying so okay. you tried to join a union
3: Okay, that that resolves my confusion. I thought you were saying that like if, if they successfully unionized, then they are essentially bulletproof. But you're right. They can say, look, we're we're just downsizing. I don't want to be open seven days a week anymore. I can handle this myself. I'm going to be open from eight to five Monday through Friday. I don't need employees anymore. Yeah. That's a perfectly legit reason. You can't prove I'm not going to do that. You might even do it for a week,
0: you know? <laughs> well, you probably have to do it for more than a week or you would get a lawsuit. Yeah. And it's going to suck for a while. But yeah, I thought that'd be one way of handling it. Okay. All right. And and that that helps. What also
2: happens, like you're seeing right now with Starbucks, is it will just say, "Hey, we're closing that location now."
0: Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: This,
0: this, this. Honestly, that's this probably what I would money. do. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, I, "I'm sorry, I can't do this profitably anymore, and it's not worth all the ulcers and and sleepless nights it's going to cause me." But there are a lot of pros to unionization too, right? Um, like I, I, I like the idea that, uh, I mean. I mean I like the idea that they can make workplaces that were dangerous not dangerous that's huge
1: Yeah there's obvious benefits of like in- enforcing yeah safety uh higher weight, like living wages uh better working conditions
3: making
0: management pay for like work imposed costs Yeah I hate the like, term living wages because we have proof that people can live on 1 a day or less because hundreds I mean, like, of millions of people do
1: reasonable quality States. of life yeah
0: yeah well you didn't say that <laughs> part you just said living wage reasonable living wage <laughs> very well uh, but
3: yeah i mean like so uh say like I, I think this might still be the case i know that there's a money transport company that like you know they stock atms and bank branches and i think that they don't pay for bulletproof vests for their employees oh and it's I've like 16 bucks an hour as it was a few years ago
2: um it's bulletproof it's not companies vests they what is it that case in a lot of companies where you just had to buy your own clothing for the company sometimes i know that mcdonald's gives you
3: gives you a uniform but like a bulletproof vest isn't like a you know a t-shirt it's uh it's expensive and it's, if you're uh, making shit money you can't even afford it so it's like all right i need this job because yes it pays a dollar more than another job but i've got to be prepared to you know defend this band full of money in a firefight and they won't even give me a bulletproof vest. I can kind of see the the perk of unionizing to say, look, I'm not going to spend my own fucking money to do the job.
1: I'll say sixty dollars right? an hour is kind of crappy for.
3: That's what it used to be. I'm thinking, or I'm pretty pretty sure it might
1: still be I in mean,
0: 2014 I- that this was the company I was looking at. So, so basically, this job is just. Driving a truck and moving bags from one location to another, right? And stocking the ATMs—that's when I would rob it. I think driving around with tons of yeah, money. But it's yeah. It, yeah, it's it's extremely low skill. Like literally, anyone could but do extremely it. Extremely
1: dangerous. Yeah, I mean, you're it's getting not low skill if you're expecting to be robbed at any
0: moment. No, no, no. You, I mean, I'm saying basically a chimp could do this. But the problem is, is that it's it's dangerous, and that's why you're getting paid the money. But I I, I can see. Because a Bulletproof Vest, I remember my brother bought one, and I was like, they weren't that expensive as he could afford one. And I looked it up. Yeah, it's $300 for a Bulletproof Vest. If someone saved up $300 so that they could move from a $10 an hour job to a $16 an hour job, great. Maybe? That's less expensive than I thought they were.
3: Mm. That's that's, yeah. that's interesting.
1: It depends on the quality, too. I mean, I I wouldn't want to get like a... You know, one off eBay <laughs> at <laughs> random and be like, I'm protected, you know? Yeah.
3: It's even, even if we're like a good one is, you know, a little less than twice that,
0: you know, you're still looking at like a full week's worth of wages. A modular special operations vest is $700. Right.
1: Shrug. I, <laughs> yeah, I feel like we should be asking Gray about this. Yeah, I know right. he, he's actually in the market for one. Yeah.
3: But, but in any case, I, I just, yeah. I, I do see that there could be benefits of. Well, you don't have to take the job working for the money transport company. You work somewhere else. Yeah. But that's going to be the case for everything.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I think unions are almost, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's probably coming off in the episode that I don't understand we, we what makes the, unions good in the modern day anymore. If you kind of look at minimum wage and a lot of wages in the
2: company or in the country, they're not really growing that much. And in the past, they, they kind of grew because people went on strike to raise their wages.
0: Is that a good thing? Is I guess my question because ultimately those wages come from the rest of the world. The consumers end up paying more for the thing, right? In some
2: cases, Except yeah. In-, um, in many cases, well, in the past, um, they would put in their contract, "We want higher wages, and also we don't want the prices to change, so they don't blame us." So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so,
1: so do they want just the business to go out of business? Then
2: it would cut into their profits. Yes. <laughs>
1: I don't know. There's a um, pretty big movement modern day for people to care about things like fair trade and like sustainability and whatnot.
0: And that's I think great that's kind for. Of new. Yeah. No, but and that's great for rich people. All the people I know who buy those sorts of things have a lot of money and get paid a lot, but there's also poor people in the world who need to go to Walmart and buy things on the cheap. Fort Collins doesn't have paper bags at checkout anymore in the s- stores. How come?
3: uh paper bags are bad for the environment oh oh, okay so you get to pay a dime yeah, for, every, bag for every wait i say paper i meant plastic yeah okay. they're not plastic bags anymore okay and you you get to pay a dime per paper bag that's nuts that's, but you can bring your own bags that of course you buy with money and yeah bring it. yeah but so we get
2: all these basically
3: yeah it was just funny because i i was there visiting and i was feeling a bit car sick so i was going to run into like a king stoopers and grab one just to like have in case i needed to be sick in it <laughs> mm-hmm. and They don't have paper. I couldn't even find a plastic bag. I guess I could have bought a box of Ziplocs, but I didn't think of doing that. But anyway, I bring that that up because the uh, you mentioned like just nice expensive stuff for sustainability. Uh, That was just a bone I had
1: to throw out there because it's not all for rich people. There are companies that have based their. I mean, uh, thinking of the Yes to brand in particular. What's that? uh, It's like Yes to, and then like they have Yes to tomatoes or Yes to coconut or whatever. Um, But sell, uh, you know, like Bath and Body product things but they it was like two guys from Australia that were you know had a vision for the company they wanted to make and they're like we're going to make uh like high quality products uh with sus- like you know like sustainable wages uh like Can- biodegradable etc and keep them at like competitive prices and i always buy their stuff when i see it because it's really good quality and as a matter of fact they uh they're a great company i mean part of their vision for the company was like when we get to a certain size we're going to use like this portion of the money to launch you know like Community garden projects and other stuff like. <laughs> if
0: you, I, I mean, my question is: if you buy a yes to tomato, does it cost more than if you were to buy a different tomato?
1: Nope. I mean, like it's a like, it's like Bath and Body products, so it's like imagine I don't know shampoo or whatever. All right, is it's it, like the is same price. As, the same price as the cheap ch- yeah, shampoo can it's I can at get at the drugstore, and it's like okay, it's not literally the cheapest one you could get from like the dollar store, but I mean, if you wanted a reasonable shampoo, it's I don't know, like eight bucks a bottle or something, which would be like the same as Suave or whatever. I don't know.
3: Okay. <laughs> So can we take a minute and steel man the case for unions? Because I feel like uh, either, like you know, I said at the top, and I was just half an hour behind him, like I've been disillusioned my entire life, <laughs> or I'm missing part of the story. So.
1: Steel man unions? Yeah, what's, yeah,
3: what's, what's what, good what, about unions? What's the pro-union argument?
1: Uh, gives the workers any kind of power.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, effectively, it makes it easier to neg- negotiate with a company if you're doing it collectively instead of individually.
0: Is there any reason that someone who's not in that union should support that union? Because it sounds like it definitely enriches the people in the union, but
1: it seems like it also normalizes. And yeah, Levi, I should answer this, but like my, you know, unexpert opinion would be that unions could, like force employers to behave kind of across the board.
2: Yes, I, I think they were big enough. Or uh, another thing that was made illegal is. Unions aren't allowed to help people who aren't in their union anymore. Um, they aren't allowed to help people who aren't in the union? Oh,
1: that used to be a thing they did though, right?
2: Yeah. Basically what they would do is they'd say, like, if you're a supplier, you'd say, we're not going to give give them any more of our supply until they pay their workers better.
0: Oh, and now they can't do that.
2: It was one of the things, like, if you look up Taft Hartley, it made a ton of things illegal for unions. And for a little bit, you basically had to say, I'm not a communist to join a union,
1: <laughs> so it's a little too collective so
0: the truckers union if the head of like the walmart union contacted the head of the truckers union and said hey tell all your truckers to go on strike unless walmart starts paying us more that used to be legal
2: yes and actually it's interesting you pointed out because that actually happened where the truckers union i believe in i can't remember the name of the city it's somewhere out west they they basically shut down the city and said we want everyone's wages to be better. We want this and that and that. And they shut down entire city.
0: Is there any reason they couldn't use that power to say we want all the wages of white men to be better?
2: If it was just a, a like white only union, but very often, un- well, unions today that are multiracial. Um, in the party coming around
0: out of the, the union, right? now, I'm just I'm starting to see why the union power wanted was curtailed because uh, if unions can just say, well, you know, all the Italians in town, they should get paid a lot more, and if you don't pay the Italians a lot more, then we're not going to ship anything to your city. Uh, that that would be that would I would understand why the government started cracking down on them.
3: I could also see why they'd crack down. Like, cause at the beginning we mentioned how you can't use your union powers for political purposes. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Uh, part of me, my, part of my intuition is like, fuck you, we should be allowed to do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And if we, all wanna, if we all want to protest the Vietnam War, like we're going to. Mm-hmm. But I can kind of get the case against that just cause it's like, look, you need to be using this for work stuff. Yeah, And uh, that said, I don't know how you make somebody go to work like we talked about. That's still a weird issue. But if it was just for every political thing you know, you hate the outcome of the election. Mm-hmm. So you shut down the city. Right. And so we want the other guy to win the election. It's like, yeah. let's, well, we're not doing that. But now you've, you've hamstrung the entire city because we need trucks to move, move goods back and forth. Yeah. Like, so I, I get, I get the the reasoning for that.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's why you couldn't have like the white men's union or whatever. I mean, um, in the past you could. Yeah. But uh, not anymore. Like it, that's for the same reason you would say, okay, but if you're going to be in a union, it has to be for work stuff. Like, And, you know, if you're going to be in a union, it has to be
0: can can unions discriminate based on race, gender, religion, that kind of stuff. They do on gender very often
2: where you might have a women's union for to argue for women's rights, like um, abortion, like um,
1: or like equal pay for same kind of thing.
2: But very often now, because everyone gets paid the same anyway, it's kind of they've all kind of morphed together. Okay. I so, could see that being a thing,
3: especially historically, you know, uh, whatever, a a minority group gets paid less like, all right, well, we're all going to unionize, you know, so that we get paid at least as much as they are. Yeah. I, I, I could see that, that case being made.
0: Uh, so if I'm not in a union and the union is, uh, denying me jobs and it is raising the prices on things because the wages are more and they could potentially shut down a city if they don't like the results of an election, like what? Again, why? Why should I support a union that I am not part of? Because it seems like for the non-union member, there's n- very little upside here.
2: Well, when they had like political power like that, the biggest example I always go to is uh, FDR. In a lot of cases, the reason he did his New Deal policies is there was a massive strike wave pushing for those policies. What well, they were pushing for a lot more, and he negotiated down to the New Deal so that, that could
0: help out everyone in the country. I. Okay, I know some people who would argue that the good deal, was, the New Deal, was a yeah. good deal, but yeah, <laughs> but I, that's that's beyond the scope of this podcast. Huh. Is it? I just wanted to make sure: is it still legal for a union to go in and seize multimillion-dollar buildings and equipment, and just say this is ours now?
2: Um, not like not in that direct line, but what they've often done in recent times is they go on strike. Make a company go out of business and then they buy up that business.
0: Okay, that's fucked up. But can they, I mean, how, if they go on strike, how is it that people, other people, can't get hired instead to do their jobs? Are they just that skilled?
2: Yeah, it's that there are no replacements. It's in like very skilled industries, they could kind of pull that off. Like if you did it from the knowledge, it won't work.
0: (laughs) But there's no longer a case where people can just go in and shut down machinery and say, you can't use this anymore. That's correct. Okay, well, at least there's that.
3: I think that makes sense because it's not your machinery. Right, well, I mean, the uh,
0: again, I think it, like he was saying in the early 1900s, late 1800s, people would literally go in and shut down the machinery. And then that's when, you know, the police came in to sh- run those people out. And then they fought back with guns. Okay. And then that's where the shooting wars happened. Yeah.
3: And no, I, I think that's why I wanted to kind of at the beginning of the conversation between like historically how weird it was versus like what unions look like today.
0: Yeah. Um, but nowadays, I guess they can't take over factories. So that's what that's it could in
2: strikes where they're on strike, but they're just sitting at their job. And oh,
0: so they can take over factories.
2: Yeah, I mean it's kind of weird how that operates. I mean they could technically um have the police pull you out, but um you know how police are, like they don't want them to damage the equipment in a company.
0: So yeah, they basically can't kinda of take over the company. Could they hire personal security to remove them from the premises? Yes they could. Okay.
3: Yeah, I mean I think at that point you're kinda of trespassing maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean but absolutely yeah
3: i i don't know so i'm I'm just trying to think like i don't want to hypothetically use my own job because i don't want my you know the, the hypothetical universe where my my employers think i'm trying to unionize but like <laughs> let, let's say you had a job with 10, 10 people and it's a skilled labor job um or, or whatever 10, 10 people doing the, the skilled labor part then the execs at the top or whatever why what are the cases for and against me or not me 10 other people uh <laughs> like hypothetical Stephen, right I, I don't, i'm not gonna do this i like i like the way my stuff is set just fine and our our culture is great and we're my company is killing it but uh the i guess it's not clear to me i don't know i mean if if you're i guess so i guess what i'm trying to think of as i as i talk through this if it's a skilled labor job and like you don't like your company's current conditions what's what's less work for you to form a union you know get all the the union bylaws passed get all the the ducks in a row and then negotiate better wage or just get a different job, you know? So like, yeah. it's probably just easier to get a different job for some, for a lot of these, maybe that's you know, kind like right
2: now of how weak unions are. If they're a lot stronger, then they might be able to help you out with that. Like a big union might say, we're, we're going to give you the resources to unionize your workplace and protect you. If you do get, if they do try to friend you,
0: mm. that makes Ouch. sense. Well, I mean, but what is, what is, I guess, what is Steven's motivation for joining a union? Or, Jace, you work uh, in a place right now with a lot of, it's very capital intensive, it sounds like.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, what would you?
1: I would. Do you um, join
0: a union if one came I think,
1: there? I think, I mean, uh, it's interesting that, that we're having this conversation because I never had any experience with unions and don't know that much about them. But uh, my parents were, and my dad in particular, really anti union. And I was always confused. Well, like, I kind of understand why my parents both were um, uh, self employed like business owners essentially hmm. and they were competing with people who were unionized
0: okay. but like does that mean that they had big advantages because they weren't hen- handicapped by a union
1: um yes and no i mean I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to like go back to the original question though uh well, so, from your
2: perspective i can see the benefit of have, having a unionized workplace is you could say hey we pay our people better come to our company instead of their company
1: yeah I mean at my job there's a uh, different levels of skilledness that like you have to it, it's for that specific company too it's a 203b uh, compounding pharmacy and a thing that people are worried about is that we recently like lost a bunch of employees and now they're saying okay well the people who do have like the ISO 5 clearance and like the knowledge to use these particular machines or certification to work with particular substances now have a lot of that a lot more pressure on them to fill the role that was like, you know, while, while they hire new people, but every new person that's hired has to go through all of the training and certifications. So
0: this is like, a great time for them to ask for more pay.
1: Yeah. Um, or, you know, complain that they're, I mean, like some of my coworkers <laughs> yesterday were saying, like I was, I, I was, uh, sorry, working yesterday. Cause I, I they give you extra if come in on Saturday. And some of my coworkers just looked super exhausted. I was just like, man, why did you guys leave? on friday and they were like uh 3 a.m oh my god but <laughs> you came in at noon and you left at 3 a.m <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Like, yeah that's just that's enough time to sleep shower and get back to work <laughs> Yeah,
1: at least they, they do pay overtime but still i mean because yeah i i so i mean i I for them but they're <laughs> they've legitimate complaints
0: yeah they, and also the company is kind of bent over a barrel right now if they yeah, were to leave like, the company's fucked so They should go to the boss right now and be like, hey, uh, I know there's a tough time. We want a pay increase. And once we have some more people on board, we want uh." They should, but everybody's
1: so passive. And they're not. Like, the thing is, if, if they did make a union, I think it would benefit all of them
0: they don't even need to make a union.
3: Or they like can just, just go to just the boss occur. right now. So I think if they didn't unionize and they went to the boss yeah. and they said, we want more money while things are, while times are t- in these trying times, yeah, as everyone's yeah. been saying, well, <laughs> when times aren't trying, they're the first ones to get fired. Yeah, Maybe right?
0: they have the most experience by far.
3: And right. if the they second that you can find a way to replace the, the busybodies want more extra money and are, aren't afraid to ask for it than you do. Right. That's good. Maybe gets the grace, but also gets the boot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's possible. I guess that is a thing for them to consider. Yeah.
3: I mean, if I was the, you know, mustache twirling capitalist, whatever, I think that's what I would do. I would kowtow to their demands to keep business running. And the second that I was able to, I'd kick them to the curb, right?
0: I I think that would be a thing they should consider to, you know, do we want more money? How badly? And how much can we ask for? Because if you ask for like triple your pay, maybe the boss will be like, okay, I guess. And then the second they can, they get rid of you. But if you want something more that is, you know, doable, then they could keep you on and be happy for it.
3: Yeah, I can see that.
0: I mean, loyalty is also rewarded because you don't want to have to fucking retrain people constantly and, and be churning through employees. It's nice when companies actually understand that. Yeah.
3: Sometimes they don't.
0: That's, that's true. blows my mind. Yeah.
3: They don't seem to realize that, you know, getting somebody up to speed takes weeks or months. Yeah. And that is a lot of lost productivity. It's yeah.
1: worth keeping good employees around. I've been in like, you know, crappy work environments where everybody there is miserable. Mm-hmm. a um,
4: Yeah.
1: You said, or wait, um, okay, I had some questions. Like, we were asking, like, what's Stephen's incentive to join a union? I think we kind of answered that. What is, what would you say is a company's incentives to have unionized workers? Why would you want that?
2: I um, mean, it makes it easier to compete with non unionized places if you could say, hey, look at all the benefits we give to our workers. And they could say they did it out of the kindness of their hearts or whatever. The union forced us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait, so isn't that a. Argument to not have unions because you can give them the benefits anyway, and you don't have to sound like it was forced.
2: But I mean, they they probably wouldn't because if everyone's um, competing with one another on and there's no unions, like all the workers are competing to the bottom, basically. Okay. Uh, anything else? I know uh, you want to talk about the railroad strike that may be happening in in the near future.
1: Ooh.
0: Okay. Although, yeah, I, that's interesting. Yeah, that is a good question. <laughs> I can I can I just get a couple more things. Um. Before before we move on to the railroad strike? Yeah. I, I did I was still curious. I, I think we just keep keep moving on to other stuff and getting sidetracked. Like, is there a reason for someone who's not in a union to support a union?
2: Um depending on like how big the union is, they could make the wages for the entire industry rise. So that could be one potential benefit. Like if like say, um like going back to the Hollywood example is if you're not in a union, um the union workers are still gonna Say, hey, this is what the industry wages are going to be from now on, and they will get the benefit of that.
0: Okay. What about the the rest of the public? Like, I guess if you're in that industry, then having a union in the industry might be good. But if I am working in a completely different industry and they're getting paid more and the cost of things go up, that that doesn't seem to be good for me personally.
2: Yeah, inflation is kind of tricky like that. Like you want um, uh, the wages to increase. Uh, so it counteracts inflation, but that's kind of hard to do. Some places I figured it out, some haven't.
0: Okay. I the the other big thing about unions is that they every union thing that I've seen anyway, maybe there's somewhere this isn't the case, uh the pay is commensurate with uh seniority rather than performance or productivity. And it's incredibly higher hard to fire people. So people are incentivized to just stay there as long as possible and maybe not get fired which is hard to do anyway but not to be productive in any way and uh this seems to it seems to ruin morale i think for the worker themselves but just in general it's bad for companies it's a recent massive study showed that uh union workplaces have more product recalls and i think that's entirely due to the fact that there's no way to get rid of bad employees and there's not much Incentive to have good quality product and uh, what's like why?
2: Well, I, I'll address the first wh- well, one. Why have a
0: union if they seem to make things worse? Sorry, go ahead.
2: I'll address the first one about seniority and all that. That was kind mm-hmm. of invented in the 1980s, um, um, to kind of break up unions because if you have two people gain two, two people doing the same job getting paid different wages, you could k- kind of divide a union and make them fight amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. and and going back to our point about people not getting fired, yes, that is a problem in some instances where they – like, notably police unions where they just can't be fired for anything, where they can even say, hey, uh, can I go back and give us some evidence real quick? But, um, and I'll, yeah, that's one of the things we do have to address is reasonable reasons to be fired, put in a contract, so they can't just be never fired. Okay.
0: You don't think it's good to have people who are more productive paid more than people who are less productive? That doesn't happen now. <laughs> that absolutely doesn't happen now. I know. It yeah. doesn't. But unions make it even harder. If, I suppose. But I mean... like, It feels like unions codify it, whereas now it's... You're right. It doesn't happen now. My brother
3: sent a funny link a couple weeks ago. It's like a three-minute YouTube video called The, the Dick Economy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe The Dick Sucking Economy. I can't remember. <laughs> but it's, it summarizes this point perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... If you if you if you ever worked at a whatever, especially like a a I guess a low skill job low low is that what what the, the phrase we just used? My brain kind of yeah. just farted there. Low skill jobs. Yeah, like I don't know, you work at King Supers and you're actually good at your job. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know I was gonna get into the details. Uh, anyway, you're faster, you're better at the job. But you're getting paid the same as everyone else because you're all getting paid you know as little as possible. Yeah, you are not incentivized to keep doing that. Right and like if you're doing you're doing so well that like hey can you go help this guy with his job it's like well do i get paid more no (laughs) all right well then not gonna work i'm gonna just slow down to the minimum speed to where you'll keep paying me yeah that's a problem now yeah it is yeah Yeah, i i I, I like the idea that like you know i guess and i suppose it's probably very union to union like how they uh as as a collective decide to allocate raises Mm. right yeah like if it's, some, some could, if it's if you have some actual measurable performance output, it could be on performance. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, it does make sense if you've been here longer, maybe you should get paid more, especially if you're better at your job. Um,
2: the reason they don't do that, though, in a lot of cases is like I said, they would divide the union if you start getting people paid different amounts. But if everyone's paid the same amount, it's kind of univi- unifies them together to say, let's work together
0: to raise all our wages. So it's entirely a political power thing rather than a what's actually good for the people thing
2: yeah Mm -hmm. which was good for all not what's good for the individual (laughs) i
0: suppose if there was if you worked at a company where
3: everyone that you're trying to get into the union had wildly different pays Mm -hmm. that would be something to consider because if you're at the top of course you don't want to join but you know if you're like king supers had that big strike last year Mm -hmm. i don't think that there was a huge pay discrepancy between the people you know at the top and bottom of the income bracket involved in this strike so Mm -hmm. i suspect that wasn't a concern for them right i i don't know anything about the king supers me either actually Union. um is there do you, do you have a quick overview of that by chance off the top of your head or
2: remind me guys google that? uh who owned, owns king super because i can't i can't remember who it kroger is. kroger um i don't have the specifics but i can link you to a story about it because i didn't hear about it although here was called the kroger strike so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
4: cool
2: the, yeah
0: like, link. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll put the link in the description notes All for right. sure Last specific question for me before we get to the railroad thing. Police and teachers' unions, good or bad? And if they're bad, why are they bad, but other unions are good?
2: Um, Teachers' ones are generally good. Um, It it depends on, like, each uh, teacher's union, honestly. Um, There's actually one uh, strike that happened a few years ago that was technically illegal, but it was so big they couldn't do anything about it. Um, But uh, police unions generally... I think what they should do is, um, well, let me just say this at the start is government unions aren't allowed to strike at all. It was made illegal a long time ago. Okay. So, which is kind of why the teachers get in trouble whenever they strike is legally they're not allowed to. Um, but for police unions, what I would say is a better compromise is if all government workers, like all government workers in Denver, were under one union instead of police specifically because if it's just the police it turns into basically a police gang
0: well i agree but i think that's the case for all unions like why why is the police specific union bad when other unions are good
2: um because they're supposed to like it kind of changes their interest of they want to protect themselves instead of protect the people
0: it's i i mean again i think that's the case of all unions they want to protect their union members and they don't care too much about people outside of it that's why i lumped teachers in there too because Teachers unions are there for the teachers and not for the kids. And, you know, industrial unions are there for the people who work in the are part of the union and not yeah. for, yeah, and not for anyone else.
2: I think uh, because because of the role of police play, it's kind of a lot worse if they're acting in their own interest instead of people's interests. So that's why I'm kind of very against police unions or if we do have them, it should just be a government-wide union.
0: So I agree that, they have a lot more power and a lot more potential to abuse it so that uh, having a union that is only interested in protecting their own members is a- extra bad for the police. But in principle, if it's bad for the police, isn't it bad for any group to be like, we're only for our own people and fuck everybody else?
2: Well, generally, like uh, in industry unions, the benefits kind of ripple out to other people who are in a union. Like I said, it might increase raises industry wide. But with okay. with government and police unions, it doesn't work It doesn't help anyone. It kind of just helps themselves. Okay.
3: And you said this like there was just something that caught my attention when you said that the teachers' unions were there for the teachers, not the kids. Yeah. Like yes, that's true, but the teachers are there for the kids, and so like they're not they're not there for the paycheck. You know, like they are. I mean, they, they're not doing it for free. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Like I think m- most people understand that you don't get into teaching for the big bucks. You do it because you want to train kids for whatever reason people want to do that for. (laughs) But, like, I don't think it's as... I I can imagine someone saying, sure, and the police are there for the public, but that seems like a stretchier statement Mm. than teachers being there for the kids. Like... I I think... No, I think that's the equivalent statement. I mean, it it takes the same amount of time to say, but I don't know if it's exact... (laughs) I don't know if it's it's actually the same kind of statement.
0: I mean, it depends on your priors. Like, I think teachers have good intentions, but they if they actually cared about the kids, they wouldn't work for public education. <laughs> usually I, I hate to say that, but like I, I have a very big chip on my shoulder about public education and I think it's horrible. But don't and you
1: have that about cops? I,
0: <laughs> I I I think cops are the same way where they are usually there for good intentions to try to protect the public and if the system itself is failing, then uh then that system is the problem in, in, in a similar way for both teachers and cops is what I'm trying to get at. Like the teachers union could all go on strike until, it get, until schools get less shitty. Yeah. Know? I mean, what they did during COVID, they were like, you know what? We just don't want to work. And even though it was bad for the kids. I don't know if it was it that we don't want to the work. <laughs> the what?
1: I said it wasn't bad for the kids. Yeah, well,
0: wow. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of complicating factors
3: to sending your kids to COVID factories to come home and cough on grandma. You know, like. <laughs> right. So I, I think I think not forcing kids to go to school there. I, I'm sure there are pros and cons. I didn't, you know, and the longitudinal data isn't available yet. I
1: actually, but, yeah, I saw a lot of data that kids caught up really quickly. I that think they're fine. Yeah. Like.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've anecdotally heard of cases where like that's not the case so I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this will settle down but I, I i think that a good case was made like no let's not send kids to to a place where we're pretty sure they're going to get a disease that we're pretty sure will like have a non negligible chance of killing someone in the house
0: like but that's 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 getting too far into the weeds i guess <laughs> i was just thinking like uh I mean, honestly, I don't think kids should go back to school because I hate public schools. But I also don't think <laughs> teachers should be getting paid <laughs> because think, the school should be shut down. But as long as the institution exists, yeah. and you're
3: like, okay, I'm going to go in there and try to make schools a little less shitty with the one with the power that I have, one as one person can do. Right? That's what most cops want too. I think that at least you know there was a period where I wanted to be a cop, and I didn't want to go into it to like make pol- make the institution of policing better. I wanted to do it, you know, because I watched a lot of like Kenjin growing up, right? Yeah, like you like wanted to protect people, people. exactly. Yeah. But that's different than, like, I'm going to be here to try and make the the institution of public education or institution of policing better. Right? right. Although I think I have, I definitely had teachers that were there to, like, basically fight the system. Hmm. Um, They're like, all right, the system gets in the way of us doing a good job. So we're going to do, like, the thing where you guys have to pass the test. But I'm also going to teach you guys stuff.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. That basically. basically heard yeah, that before.
1: Those are heroes. Mm. Um, should we talk about this railroad strike? Because... Uh...
0: We should. I think Although,
1: wanted to, and yeah. I kind of am interested
0: to, I, I want to give Ferb a chance to say good things about, or Levi, sorry, a chance to say good things <laughs> about unions if you want to, because I realize I've shat on them a lot. And like as my position as the guy with the microphone over here, that uh, that's kind of unfair. So uh, if you want to go to the railroads, let's go to railroads. But if you want to say good things about unions and why they're helpful, I want to cede the floor to you for as long as you want it.
2: Well, I would just mention briefly before we go to that is Government unions are so weird because, like I said, it's actually illegal for them to go on strike. So they have no power to do anything. So they're they're a weird situation. That is
0: very strange. What power do they have?
2: Basically nothing.
0: Hmm.
2: Like the biggest example you can find of this is um, Ronald Reagan in the 1980s. Essentially fired like all the airport workers who were on strike
0: the uh, the control tower guy specifically, right yes. yeah, so then um all right uh, what are do, do you have awesome things to talk up about private unions then?
2: Um, at the moment they not really they need to improve a lot because you have a lot of people from who are basically in their seats for like a long time to keep getting reelected and not doing anything in the last oh. year year or two we kind of seen a lot of those people get tossed out and new people voted in, so things might be changing. Like, way the AFL-CIO has a new leader now. So that might... Well, the AFL-CIO, by the way, is American Federation of Labor, Congress of Industrial Organiz- Organizing. Okay. And basically, every union in America, Canada, and Mexico, mostly are a part of this organization. And it's basically a, a union government. Yeah. And what they do primarily is... They try to get laws passed to benefit unions, they, mm-hmm. but they kind of haven't done anything for a long time, and their goals now are just so bad. They want to get yeah. 1 million new union workers in the next decade, but by the time that happens, job growth will grown so much that they would have less people percentage-wise yeah. in unions.
0: Oh, boy. So you 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 mentioned a few times that labor laws in the U.S. suck right now and are really weak. What would you like to see the labor laws to be? What would you like unions to have the power to do?
2: Well, I would. The first thing I would do is just get rid of, like I said, Taft Hartley, um, which, like I said, gets rid of a whole bunch of things. It makes it so they can't strike for political causes. They can't help um, workers in other industries. They can't um, have general
0: strikes. Um, what um, so? So you want unions to be able to team up with other unions and have strikes over political issues?
2: Yeah, it would help out a lot. Huh. How come?
0: Like, what would that help?
2: Um, well, historically, like I said, the big ones are like the New Deal policy that they kind of pushed forward. And then the 1910s, they had some big strikes to for um, increased working conditions. And that's, how, that's all I'll say on that. And like right now, uh, with everything going on, politically it would be nice if we have a party who actually has to listen to workers technically the Democrats are like that, but they haven't listened to the unions in a long time and unions are 50 50 between the two parties.
0: I, I know this is a stereotype, but my mental picture of a union worker is like a trucker or uh, a guy that works in the mine or something and uh, wears a MAGA hat everywhere he goes. And, so they had that power. Wouldn't, Are you not worried at all that they would be the use that power to go on a general strike and to shut down the country unless it's uh, unless it's agreed that Donald Trump was robbed and he should be the president right now?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, I mentioned it briefly. If you look at like how people who are in unions vote right now, it's split 50 50 between the two parties. So it won't do much good either way. And it'd be very hard to get unions to go on strike for for that right now. But and as like thinking of politicians, but thinking of policies, they might, uh, go on strike for higher minimum wage, uh, workers protections, um, women's protection and all that because it benefits those people
0: at work. You, but you all, okay. So you don't think they would ever go on strike for a political purpose? Like, I don't know, abortion should be made illegal after 12 weeks or something.
2: Uh, it, it depends. Well, I mean, because a lot of women are in unions, they might not do that.
0: I mean, I'm sure it's maybe that particular case is unlikely, but you think it should be okay for them to call nationwide strikes for laws that don't necessarily have anything to do with work?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, it all benefits them directly. And because of union workers are from all stripes of society, it does kind of make it so it has to benefit all of society usually. Okay.
1: Yeah, don't unions generally have rules where, you know, I think uh, we already talked about this actually, but you know, it has to be for work things.
0: Uh, we asked him what he would like to see ideally, and he said that he would like to see repeal of that uh, that sort of thing. Oh, uh, hm. It. I, I see the statistic that says less than eleven percent of people are in the U.S. are in unions. So if they could shut down the government, uh, the the country, wouldn't that basically be ruled by eleven percent of the people?
2: Oh, I would. I would want unions to be a lot bigger. And I'd say that statistic, um, well, I think it's even lower now. It's probably 10%. But about 6% of that is just people in the government. And 4% like about people in just private industry.
0: Oh, wow. So 4% of the people would shut down the nation if they (laughs) wanted to. Okay. Okay, sorry. So you want them to have more ability to strike about whatever. And uh, this is because it will make... Working conditions and pay better for everyone in the U.S. is the hypothesis. Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: do you want to get? What the do you think? Strike yeah.
0: I yeah, I wanted
3: the railroad strike before uh, or here in a minute too, but I I guess I I, I share you know, I just concern because you know obviously I would like it if my side did that, but I I get uh I always get worried whenever someone proposes an idea for like a really cool weapon we can use against the enemy, mm-hmm. like and the enemy really sucks because the weapons never go away, right? Mm-hmm. Like. The one example would be, let's say Biden was to decide that he was going to do whatever he could to make the Supreme Court uh, 15 people instead of just uh, nine, right? Mm-hmm. And then stack it full of six people that he liked and then tip it blue. Well, if if like the president is set that the president can expand the Supreme Court, then you know, next yeah. term we'll have 50, right? And so I think that, I guess I worry that yes, like it, this, the idea that you could protest bad things. I would like that when they're doing it for things I like, and I would hate it when they're doing it for things I don't like. And since since I don't get to pick, I think it's just... It's dangerous to have that weapon available.
2: Well, uh, It depends, like, how many pe- how many people you would need to do. Because of, like, how big our country is now, you would need to allow people to go on strike to affect things. Yeah. That's true. And actually, I would you mean, you can put a, a link. Um, how do you say, like, general strikes are illegal? There was actually one about 10 years ago... Um, It was the last one that happened in the U.S. during Occupy Wall Street. And it's kind of interesting because they weren't union workers who did it. Non-union workers forced union workers to go on strike. It's very weird.
1: (laughs) Isn't this what you guys are supposed to be doing? (laughs) Do your job.
3: (laughs) Do your job and stop doing your job.
0: Yeah. Well, you said the AFL-CIO just had new leadership uh, voted in. What would you like them to do? Well, they...
2: They need to get a lot more people into unions. Like I said, their goals are just basically nothing. And on top of that, they need to start fighting for a lot more worker protection so they could do a lot more things.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, was there anything else you wanted to hit on, or should we move into the railroad thing?
2: Uh, that was it for me.
0: All right. Let's talk about railroads. What's going on? Why is the entire railroad industry threatening to strike?
2: Um. Well, what it is is... A new policy was rolled out where um, they're kind of like flex workers where their schedules are not set. And one of the new policies they put in this is basically they could be called in at any time. So they only get about one day off a month. And uh, they've been trying to fight this for the last two two years. And the reason it's kind of getting to the point where they're going to strike now is Basically, they have, the way the laws is written is they have to go through the entire federal government. They have to go through the judges. They have to go through more judges, then to the president now, and then to Congress. And Congress could ultimately say, you're not allowed to strike. Everyone else is kind of like, they could suggest they don't strike. But Congress is the one who said, could say, we're not going to let you strike.
1: And they probably will, right?
2: It looks like they're going to try. I mean, like I said, they've been fighting for this for two years now. In no, I mean site. Congress
1: probably will say that they can't strike, right? Yeah.
2: and I'm not Absolutely. sure if the if the workers will listen to that or if they won't. So yeah, that'll
1: <laughs> be interesting to see. I mean, like I'm I'm definitely on their side here. That sounds terrible. Just what what happens
0: if the Congress says you're not allowed to strike and they strike anyway?
2: Um, historically, they call in the National Guard to. Um, yeah, what Yeah, men got to stop at their, their and house and take them to work. What's crazy about it is back then, that was legal for them to go on strike, but they called in the National Guard anyway and said, you've got to go back to work.
0: Huh.
3: I don't know about you, but I don't want my my trains or like any other essential infrastructure being managed by people who are doing the job at gunpoint. <laughs> right. You know, like, because <laughs> the guy who the gun at you doesn't know if you're doing your job correctly. Sounds like a great recipe for derailments.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like right now, actually, Britain is going through a major railroad strike as well. Um but what they, they've they compromised on there is for like essential goods, they're still going to transport it, but not for anything else. So like medicine and all that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, my industry won't be affected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably will.
2: In the U.S., I don't think they're going to do that. I think it's just going to be a total no trains will move. And they might just have um, – either they call the National Guard in and force them to do it, or they just say, hey, hey National Guard, you're going to start – uh, driving and train from now on until the strikes over, <laughs> <laughs> which they've done before.
0: <laughs> huh? But the people who aren't in the union are free to not come to work, and the national guard won't show up at their door. Yeah, that's so weird.
2: Yeah, so that's going to kind of affect now. everything.
0: <laughs> so, so the people who are upset are the flex workers because they don't get enough days off, right? Yeah, and the companies could, in theory fix this by paying them more or hiring more flex workers or something, right? Yeah. Why don't they do that? Cause then they'd have to pay more. Yeah.
2: That's exactly why is they, they want to make more money.
0: Why don't the flex workers quit unless they get paid more? Cause this gambit might pay off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: All right. And I mean, I, I know a guy who works in the railroad industry for several years and, you know, it, depending on the job, it's not very transferable, Yeah. you know? So it's like, and it pays pretty good. Okay. Um, you because know, it's a high, like, value to the infrastructure job. Which yeah. just meta note, isn't it weird that like so much of our infrastructure depends on technology that hasn't changed in two hundred years? <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, the uh, maybe more than two hundred. Um. No, wait. Less. Who cares? Um. So yeah, I guess like you know if you're if you're a rail station operator or a, a person who lays down tracks or whatever, that doesn't lend itself to another kind of job, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, well, if I can fight to make the job I'm good at better, like I'm going to do that first. And mm-hmm. then if not, then I'll take the life change and whatever. Hashtag learn to code. Like they tell everyone
0: else to do whatever other <laughs> yeah. job, right? Right. It's so weird because I am absolutely on board with all the flex workers getting together and being like, hey, management, pay us more and to hire, you know, 10% more people within the next month or we all walk out. Like that's, I think that's awesome. And that that is powerful and empowering and they should do that. But, like, I, I'm not on board with the government saying, hey, we get to decide if you're allowed to <laughs> approach management or not uh, and demand things. And also, I'm not great with the government telling employers, hey, you have to keep paying people and employing them and you can't hire other people to replace them. I, the whole thing is, like, really weird. I I don't like the whole massive powers getting involved and sticking their hands in this shit. Um, but I guess...
2: So I was just looking at uh, an article about the railroad strike and seeing some other things. It, mm-hmm. it looks like some of the ports right now are also going on strike. So if these happen at the same time, our entire distribution network kind of goes offline for a little bit.
1: No. Bring in the drones.
0: <laughs> That's, what are the ports going on strike for? Well,
2: oh, it's the ports and the trucking industry.
1: Now we just need the planes, <laughs> yeah, I guess. And then we can't ship anything anywhere at all.
2: Uh, they're going on strike for to
0: have a union. Oh, okay. Which,
2: which means, one?
1: The ports or the trucks?
2: Uh, the trucks.
0: Let's see. I thought the trucks already had the Teamsters.
2: Um, well, a lot of the trucks. Are, it's kind of weird. Is they're almost like their individual company, like in, in individual small business. So they're not part mm-hmm. of a union.
1: I mean, like FedEx, UPS, or uh,
2: the big like ten a lot of, trucks.
1: McLean and a yeah. lot of truckers are like
0: technically uh work for themselves they rent their truck they have their contracts assigned by an outside agency and all that but they're technically independent contractors Mm. which is probably who's trying to form a union i guess
2: oh independent contractors are kind of weird because technically but according to the government they're not like workers they're i mean they're contractors so they're in this weird place where they have none of the worker protections of a union. And none of the worker protections of just workers in general, so mm-hmm. they could just be fired at any time for like any reason whatsoever.
0: Well, you can't really be fired; you can be not rehired, yeah, or just they can tell you to stop doing your job, yeah, yeah. Like, They'll yeah. be like, "Thanks, we don't need any more help with this particular situation,"
3: yeah, which is like being fired, yeah. <laughs> you are the one being told stop coming to work, right? Right, stop coming in. We're stop. We're gonna stop paying you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So like th- this, like strikes that's happening, and the. Railroad one strike, the railroad strike that might happen, is kind of gonna affect the entire nation and I'm not really sure what's gonna happen if it goes how it's historically gone. There's gonna be violence all over the country. And like, so wait,
0: yeah. why would there be violence?
2: Uh, well, like I said, the national guard might try to force them to work, and other workers might take advantage of this and go on strike as well. And again, they might try to force them to work if it's needed for like the, the country as a whole. Sure. Okay. So they're afraid that they might lose control of the country, basically.
0: Couldn't, instead of forcing people to work, couldn't they hire other people to do this job?
2: Well, if it's like an entire city,
0: then you'd have to bring an entire city worth of people in. I mean, that would be extremely expensive, but it might be worth it. They had to bring an entire city of construction workers in to rebuild chunks of New Orleans after Katrina.
2: Yeah, that's true. I think the thing is, it's not going to just be one city. It's going to be multiple cities. So the amount mm-hmm. of workers you you would need to do that is going to be very hard to handle. So, and there, and I,
3: hastily, I was going to say, and hastily training an entire new workforce to do something that isn't that easy. Oh, it's going to suck. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's, so I imagine the people who are going on strike aren't just going to sit back and let them import a whole, you know.
0: <laughs> I mean, if the people going on strike strike start attacking people who are trying to go to their jobs, I think that's...
1: That would be shitty, but... Yeah,
0: that's... They shouldn't do that, and that's what police are for. Like, I, I don't want to be subjected to random violence. I'm just thinking, like, I, I I know a bunch of people who do work that, you know, it's okay, it's menial, but if all of a sudden someone was like, hey, come work at the railroad, yeah, it's shitty, but so is your current job, and we're gonna pay you three times as much because it's an emergency, I think they'd go and take it real fast.
2: It generally, like, when you get into, like, general strikes like this, I mentioned it, like, in a Discord a while back, but kind of like the rules of the law go out the window and it's basically just the rules of warfare come into play of who has the more power behind them.
0: Okay. So the unions are, are literally going to hold ground like an occupying force. Yeah. Okay.
2: So it's basically the people versus the government is what's going to happen.
0: Sounds terrifying. It does. It sounds bad. So you, you think that the, you think that Congress is going to say that they can't strike and, The most likely course of action is they're going to try to strike anyway and this is going to result? Yeah. Well, shit.
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure. When when is this going down?
0: I Um, need to
3: know when to stockpile food and water.
2: (laughs) Well, right now they've got a month where they've got to talk to the president. And then I think they've got another month after that to kind of debate if they want to accept whatever the president's proposal is. And if they say no, then they go to Congress and then it's another month. But someone pointed this out to me. At the time of when Congress... Or when they would be going to Congress, Congress won't be in session, which means if they can't form a committee quick enough, they could just go on strike immediately.
0: All right, so we're thinking late September ish. Yeah, around that. Perfect.
3: Time. <laughs> I'm trying to get a house that's still being uh developed, and they keep pushing back the date. Now it's like end of October. I think we can. Oh, looks no. like we're looking at January now. Oh my god! If they shut down trucks and and moving, well, I guess all the stuff's there. I okay. think, on site. So. They don't need to
0: move more things there via train or anything. Hopefully. But if it's a general strike and the con and the construction workers are part of a union, then they just might not show up. Yeah, that'd be a drag. You know, I, um, my dad knows a bunch of people who do construction. Depending on how much money you have to throw at them, <laughs> the thing is, I doubt I doubt they'd let me just like. Bring someone else to finish this house. That's true. Then you would be outside with pipes and guns and stuff. <laughs> no, no,
3: I don't mean like the workers. I mean that like the the people who are building this this uh, complex. Everybody will the be
1: car. too distracted to care.
3: <laughs> I don't know if if a bunch of people came in with trucks and like like finished my house and I, I move in yeah. and like all the other ones are underdeveloped. <laughs> I think I think Richmond Homes might notice. They'd be like, wait a minute, how is how are people living here?
0: Oh, they might call you up and be like, Stephen. So you know, people that need some work, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> I must admit, I have not been sold on unions by this. I still want Levi and Jace to present a case for me that I, I find more compelling, if that's possible. I'm sorry. I don't want to put too much pressure on you. Um, or exclude me. Or yeah. exclude. Yeah, yeah. Stephen. Yeah. yeah. I know you yeah. love unions too, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I did two hours ago. I mean, I still, I still like the idea. Like, like, again, romantically, the idea of, no, we're sick of you shafting us. Yeah. We, we actually do all the work. You don't you know we want to get paid more i like i like the principle Mm -hmm. um the literal and metaphorical seizing the means of production like nicely dressed fat cats off site who collect all the money from all of our hard work it's like no we're gonna collect a little more of that money Mm -hmm. i like that idea Mm -hmm. it just seems like it's hard to wiggle all this in and if there's been a bunch of stupid like shoot yourself on the foot laws where the federal government has stepped in historically to like make things worse like that's not really the fault of the ambition that workers are somewhat more in control of their destiny, right? Yeah. That just means that, yeah, government has gone in and done what governments do, right?
2: Well, they kind of favored like the big business over the workers. Like, I mean, back then it was the Rockefellers and the Golden, the, the Gilded Age, where the government was basically beholden to companies completely.
0: I don't know very much about the government policies of that era well i just mean like if you're like
3: whatever rockefeller or whatever and you own half the steel mills in the country mm-hmm. it, you know kind of you do have the government by the balls
0: right right so, you're you're like the union we're like you know what i can just shut down all my steel mills unless you pass this law so i, I yeah but that, yeah. that's that's almost a fa-
3: an argument more in favor of like more powerful unions but i see how historically it worked out against unions because the it got to be a dictatorship that said you know i get to control you know i'll shut down and i get to make the decision un- unilaterally Rather than the government or rather than the employees doing it,
1: but yeah, I'm kind of like he's put me on the side of pro union, and I like I I feel like I am, but only because there's not something else or better. I'm not really like the hugest fan of either system, yeah. But uh, hmm, hmm, yeah, I don't, I don't know, it's complicated,
0: yeah. I guess, yeah, if you own like half the steel mills in the country, I guess the government just would show up and tell you don't shut them down, kind of like they show up at unions, union owner uh, members' places, and say don't not go to work, and again, just devolves into power struggle again. Who's got the power, and what can they do with it? Just the, the thing I don't like, but <laughs> eh, what are you going to do? I guess antitrust, make sure no one person has that much power.
1: Or automate everything and live in the, you know, it's I think automating a everything. The yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: It's one thing a like, these workers are afraid of, like, especially the port workers, is automation because the better conditions they get for their work, the less likely or the more likely it is that their job gets automated.
0: Yeah. Right. I and mean, yeah, like the more you ask for in money, the more it becomes attractive to get a machine to replace you, right?
2: Yeah. So in theory, like unions are kind of pushing automation to come even quicker, and how we're gonna handle that as society is going to be interesting.
1: I hope we do a good job.
0: I mean I think part of the worry <laughs> is that Right now, um, the ability to live is distributed to people based on how productive they are and that's getting harder and harder to be productive as more and more things are automated. Maybe we should just do the thing where everything is made by robots and you're given the stuff to live regardless of whether you're productive or not in some sort of universal basic distribution (laughs) of things.
1: That's what I'm in favor of but I feel like it's going to take us a while as a society to get to the point where we can wrap our heads around that. What people deserve to live <laughs> it just might, for existing might, people have inherent value. <laughs> it might be a while or it might just be a really
3: loud, you know, scary month. You mm-hmm. know, I imagine that the second that we, you know, if imagine if uh, driving automation and whatever, uh, insert two other high uh, employment numbers, high, high employment, uh, low skill jobs, get get automated. And you've got like, more of America that like literally can't get a job. I feel like they're going to make a, I feel like it would be pretty easy to make enough noise as they, as they literally start robbing stores so that they can eat before they're like, you know, it might be easier if we just like gave them enough money to buy food (laughs) rather than had to deal with the daily lootings. Well, not lootings, but uh, what do you call it? Thievings? What Looting. Looting works. Looting when you need it. I I think it's still looting. I think looting just
1: has a negative connotation now.
3: I mean, you know, there's a difference between like, hey, look, the government's basically going to throw a brick through this Best Buy window and walk out with some TVs.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: That should be different than, like, I'm going to steal this bread. But We can call it Jean Valjeaning. That works. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I've,
0: I've heard the most interesting speculation. Uh, it was a while ago now, but um, the reason UBI is getting big now is because mm-hmm. uh, intellectual workers' lives are being put at risk. Like, menial labor, low skill labor has been putting, being more and more replaced by automation for a long, long time. And no one said much about UBI. Well, I guess the communists did. But it, <laughs> I feel
1: ne- like people have said a lot yeah.
0: about it. It never went that far. But now that AI is starting to get big and uh, skilled intellectual laborers like accountants, for example, are uh, in danger of having their their livelihood replaced by automation within the next decade or two. All of a sudden, everyone's like, hey, what about, what about UBI? Yeah. That would be great. Google Copilot's going to take my job when they stop copiloting and start piloting, right? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Did you have more for us, for Because I realized we're actually creeping up yeah, on two hours j- now, which was longer than we intended.
2: Um, no, uh, I think that's it. Well, this was a lot of fun.
0: I enjoyed hearing about it. I always like situations where
3: I thought I knew what I believed. And now I'm like less sure. Yeah, yeah. kind of so, in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, I, I always, but I actually like that, that sensation rather than dislike it. So now I've got this, this uncertainty to look at and think about. So yeah. that's cool.
0: I am back again with Levi. Uh, he remembered that there were a couple other things he wanted to touch on after uh, we were done recording. And so I have jumped back on with him a couple days later, and we're going to touch on some of those. Levi, welcome back. Uh, thank you. So you wanted to talk about the AFL CIO, I think, and uh, the other large organization, which I now forget, and how they get kind of weird and deranged as they get big? Uh,
2: yeah, especially the AFL CIO. The other big one is the IWW, which kind of doesn't really – after World War One, it was kind of basically destroyed. So it's still around, but it doesn't really have that much power anymore. Oh, how did it get destroyed? Um, I can't remember the exact name of the laws, but basically there's two laws that said it's illegal to speak out against the war. It's illegal to speak out against the government. and they're, Oh. Yeah. And they use that as a justification to basically just arrest all their leaders. Damn, okay. They're still around, though, and they're kind of like the second biggest uh, organization, but not as powerful as
0: they once were. Okay. Um, What does it
2: stand for? uh, International Workers
0: of the World. Okay, okay. I can see how they might be worried about them being communists with that kind of a name. (laughs) Yeah. During the whole Red Scare.
2: I think that was the first Red Scare back then, yeah, 1910s.
0: Oh, I wasn't aware of that one, but I know that the U.S. government has been worried about commies for quite a while. At least since the 1800s. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay.
2: I believe hell, like, Karl Marx actually wrote for, like, many American newspapers back then.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had always assumed that it wasn't a big worry until uh, the revolution of 1917, but I-, I suppose if you saw the rumblings coming, you could have been scared quite a bit earlier.
2: Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the first... Well, technically, the first time they kind of had a red scare was like 20 years after the U.S. was created.
0: Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> well, ever vigilant was it? Constant vigilance. That's yep. right. All right. So, what about these organizations? Uh, you think that they aren't doing as good a job as they should uh, representing people?
2: Um. Yeah, that's how I would put it. Like how they kind of formed. I'll do the AFL-CIO because. The IWW is complete, organized like completely differently. It is um, it's almost like a representative government. Is you elect someone from your union who then goes to your state AFL CIO, and then someone from the state AFL CIO gets elected to the federal one, and technically there's an international one as well.
0: <laughs> that sounds absolutely just like a second government within within the country.
2: <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Wow. Over time, they've kind of become very ineffective. Although even back then, generally, like unions, like the higher up you go, the more they are against people striking because they have friends in businesses because that's how you
0: make kind of political relationships. (laughs) Oh, that is very interesting. Do you think that's corruption or do you think that's people seeing that the other side of an issue and how it might not be as simple as it looks at first?
2: Uh, There's a little bit of both, I think. I was going to say one thing that kind of has has kind of corrupted that corrupted their organization is they they kind of, kind of set the rules of what you could do as a union, and if you don't follow their rules, you don't get their money for a strike mm-hmm. and stuff.
0: Oh, so that's a huge carrot that they get to they get to give because yeah. all all the union members are required to pay dues with every paycheck, right? Yep. Uh, and are they substantial the union dues? Um
2: it depend depends on each contract. Um they vote on like what, what their dues are gonna be per organization.
0: Is it, you know, as little as an hour's worth of labor per paycheck or can it be more than that, significantly more?
2: Uh, it could be more than that. Um I think a big one recently I saw was with the UAW is um they just increased uh, their well they increased their strike fund, which kinda of increased their dues as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all the unions have like uh, funds set aside for when you do go on strike, so you have money to pay the people.
0: And how much are the uh, the payments for while they're striking?
2: Um, it's different per, per organization. I know the UAW just set it to four hundred dollars a week. Four hundred. Okay. Yeah. That's that's
0: it's not great, but it helps a lot.
2: Yeah, I think before it was two seventy something. Okay. And also, they didn't pay you. Pay you into the first week, which they also just changed.
0: It feels, oh man, it feels a lot like when the federal government tells states, you know, you have to do these things or we're going to take away all the money we give you for roads and medical and everything else. And, uh, and that basically just means the federal government gets complete control over the things they want because that's a lot of money. Yep. With the unions, like you've paid in all this money and then the only thing you get back out of it, well, I mean, I guess you get representation in the things, but the, the, the big carrot that you really need is being supported uh when you do go on strike and they can just be like no you you don't get that because i don't know why why would they not support a strike
2: um well one if it's illegal or or otherwise um if they think they're like we were talking about uh what was it the coal miner uh one where they have to pay back all the money they from striking like the first million (laughs) dollars
0: yeah, tell tell me about that. What happened recently? The the U.S. government ruled that uh, – was it the U.S. government ruled that uh, the, the miners have to pay the company they were striking against?
2: Uh, yeah, it's the National Labor Relations Board. Um, okay. Yeah, so they were on strike for well over a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, over that time, because they lost so much money, for some reason, the National Labor Relations Board has decided to sue them on behalf of the company to get the money back, which if it becomes standardized, it kind of kills unions almost overnight.
0: <laughs> Why can they do that? Was it an illegal strike or what's going on? Because normally you can't sue somebody for not working for you, was what I believed in the past.
2: <laughs> uh, their justification, it's like the weakest justification I've seen is they harmed their revenue so much that they have to pay them back for that revenue, which is I don't see as much of a justification, Ray.
0: I mean, no, it's not a justification at all. Anyone could say that I'm harming their revenue by not working for them. <laughs> and I would tell them to fuck right off because I can work for who I want to work for. But it just it really solidifies in my mind that these aren't individual actors like workers and employers trying to negotiate. It's two distinct power groups and the the federal government is acting as a mediator between them and deciding who's right and who's wrong as sort of a judge and then awarding damages or or um yeah <laughs> or, or wages or whatever based on what it sees fit and it I just it feels so much the opposite of what i wanted but i guess it's what i wanted out of a labor um movement but i guess it's just the way it works so the federal government in this case, decided that the strike was was it illegal? Like, I mean, to be punished for striking, there had to have been something they did wrong, technically wrong, right?
2: Uh, let me see if I could pull it up. Um, they don't really give much of a reason for it.
0: That's bizarre. I'm assuming there's some kind of internal things we don't know about because that's the first time I heard of that. Were, did the coal company like hire other people to, yeah, to take their place? They did. Yeah. Okay. I'm
2: kind of like one of the uh, downsides of a strike is the longer you're on a strike the weaker your ability to affect the company is because they could just hire new people.
0: Yeah, as other people slowly get trained up and production goes back to what it was before, they just don't need you anymore.
2: And they were on strike for, like I said, over a year, I believe.
0: Yeah. At this point, I don't know if they'd be getting their jobs back. Maybe like the really highly skilled ones.
2: Yeah. I I mean, let's see, it says 16 months. So yeah, at that point, Mm -hmm. they would have hired... A whole new staff
0: (laughs) so what is uh what is the um issue that you have with the afl cio and how they're doing things
2: well the big one i would have is because like you have people um elected from like lower levels kind of like how we used to do with the senate it's really Mm -hmm. undemocratic the higher up you go where they have like no connection to the people on the bottom anymore
0: Okay, so I absolutely understand that's a problem, and it's always been a problem. But also, in an organization that's that big, how how could you possibly solve that? It seems like that's just always happens in any organization that's large enough. That's that's been one of my recent reasons for swinging much more towards federalism and just letting small municipalities have more power and federal governments have less power. But yeah, how how can you?
2: Well, what what the UAW recently did is. They switch from having people elected from, like, lower levels slowly and slowly to just direct election for the people at the top from all the workers of the union. Okay. So uh, the best comparison I could have is how most unions are organized is kind of like the electoral college, and they just want – they want to switch it to um, direct democracy.
0: Okay. And so every every local union would pick, uh, like, a guy or gal and send them directly up to the, the top position? Um, or positions?
2: Yeah. Well, they would. They have um elections, and they would vote for whoever they want to be, and the president. Um, well, it's called the president, so the presidential ticket, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you uh, Do you think that's going to help?
2: Um, I think so. Like I said in the last year, like the UAW has really turned around for like a long time. There, they were basically in uh, the company's back package, just pretending to help the workers but now they're trying to do a whole bunch of things that actually helped them again. Oh, like what? Well, like I said, they increased their strike pay and made it so they actually get their Mm -hmm. money on the first day. And Mm -hmm. they're putting in some protections that they're, they actually have their big uh, Congress right now. So they're changing a bunch of things. Okay.
0: Um, all right. So you, overall, you think the, the large union organizations are doing, doing a decent job?
2: Uh, I would say, uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I was going to say that the IWW is actually kind of organized completely differently. They're much more, as you said, like a federal federal organization of where there's a lot less power in the federal area and a lot more in the small organizations.
0: Oh, very cool. Does that uh, reduce their ability to do large-scale negotiations or impact the government, the U.S. government?
2: Um, well, in the past, it it, it didn't, but nowadays, yeah. Like, before they were broken up. Yeah.
0: Are there any major changes you'd like to see these big organizations uh, implement? Well, like I said,
2: one is uh, they really do need to switch to direct democracy at, like, those higher levels. And another one is, at some point, they do need to start advocating for some political action because things are slowly going backwards, like, with workers' rights. (laughs) Uh,
0: What other things are are moving backwards for workers' rights? I
2: mean, in the last... 20 or 30 years they've slowly been kind of undoing everything like you, you hear about pensions you hear about i mean wages have increased in a long long time the, okay and a lot of that they come from striking to get more things and they're so weak now that they can't really do that anymore
0: so the idea is that the unions should get more money for their workers both in terms of wages and in terms of employers provided pensions yeah the main way they would get that is by increasing the costs for the employers, which ultimately gets passed out to people who aren't in the union, right?
2: Um, it depends. Um sometimes they do they do um freeze uh, prices when they increase wages,
0: right. But how does the employer you know pay them if it doesn't they don't ha- get the money uh, somehow?
2: I mean, a reasonable one would set it, so they're still making a profit, but less of a profit. OK,
0: I well, I mean, I, I was about to ask, is there any reason that the union gets to decide how much profit someone else makes? But I guess it all just comes down to power politics again. Yeah. OK.
2: But there actually is a different type of union that's starting to come back in the accent again, which is tenant unions. With, oh, what's that? Uh, basically, it's come almost a reverse of a workers union of people who um rent uh, have, or rent their own homes form a union, and if they don't like rent being increased or the quality of the home, they go on the equivalent of a strike where they all say, we're not going to pay rent anymore. Mm -hmm. And that kind of forces the landlord to at least come to the table.
0: (laughs) And I'm assuming that they aren't worried about getting evicted for some reason?
2: Well, the hope would be, like, let's say you're in a building with, like, over 200 people. Mm -hmm. The The landlord, if, like, they lost... The rent from that amount of people, they they can't find like 210 inch in a month.
0: Yeah, Th- that would be a very strong position, I guess, in many places. I, I'm just I'm in Denver right now and the Denver market is absolutely freaking nuts. There is not enough build- uh, housing being built and the, the wait lists for people trying to rent things is it's ridiculous. I, I I really feel bad for anybody who doesn't already have housing in Denver looking for more because it's, it's not enough. Uh, maybe 200 maybe a unit uh, 200 units would be very hard to fill within a month but also then you're thinking well they aren't paying rent anyway so what what yeah <laughs> yeah Un- unless the the request for something you know small and reasonable enough that it's worth it to do them
2: yeah, usually it's um like some maintenance issue or if they try to like increase rent a whole bunch i just kind of yeah. want to bring that up as like a separate kind of union is starting to come back into focus again and there's one of uh, I was reading about a few months ago where basically uh, they were trying to sell like an apartment or apartment complex. And so they all went on like, like I said, basically a strike and then forced them to sell it to the, like to the tenants. So basically Mm it became like a kind of organization almost.
0: That's really cool. Did they sell it for the same price they were asking for? Did they have to sell it at a reduced rate?
2: I think they sold it at a reduced rate. Oh man. Okay. Still millions of dollars though.
0: No, no, I, I understand. It's just, it's, um, I, <laughs> if I was trying to sell my car and someone stole my car and said, you have to sell it to me for a thousand dollars less than you wanted, I'd be a little upset at them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was that, was that all the things? Was there anything more about the, uh, oh, you said that, um, the, some unions fight over territory?
2: Yeah. Um, and that's kind of one the main issues kind of holding unions back nowadays is, Everyone wants this. They're like, oh, I want we want to be the union for this company, it, which kind of has like if you're all competing with one another, then no one gets the company.
0: <laughs> That's true. But then don't the employees get a better deal if they get to choose which union to join? They can get one that gives them better benefits and less union dues.
2: Uh, Yeah, but it's kind of like a slower process than like what some are advocating now is just get a union as quickly as possible And then if you want to switch it later on, you can.
0: Yeah, but switching is expensive and hard to do. Like, I'd be willing to wait an extra four or five months to to pay less dues and get more benefits. Well, I
2: mean, like if you're at like somewhere like like Amazon, you might not have that amount of time left or they might fire you for trying to organize. Okay. Like the National Labor Relations Board is so underfunded. They can't really address every issue. They try as hard as they can, but they can't.
0: Yeah, how do they fight over this over turf? Uh, do they? Is it advertising? Is it trying to give better benefits? Uh, what what happens?
2: Yeah, basically, av- advertising, or, or I guess you could say picketing, almost of going into the into the company and saying, "Hey, do you guys want to join us, or do you want to join them, or whatever?"
0: If if I owned a a shop and I saw somebody coming into my store trying to, who didn't work for me, who I didn't know, trying to organize my uh my workers into a union, I can just kick them right the hell out of my shop, right?
2: I'd have to look into it, but I'm, I think um, there's some restrictions for that, like if they're trying to organize workers. I think you have to announce it beforehand, though.
0: Honestly, I would feel like that's enemy action. Like if I had a, a business I was competing against and I didn't like them, I might hire someone to go and try to organize their their people into a union.
2: <laughs> well, what some, union, uh, what some companies have done is they form their own union for the employees, but it's just controlled by the company.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's an interesting tactic. Does that work out?
2: Uh, Sometimes. I know it's popular in, uh, I believe, Mexico. They call them yellow unions. Yeah, uh, company union or yellow union. (laughs)
0: That sounds like a pretty decent idea. So you already have an organization that represents the, the employees and can tell the employer, like, if there's hundreds of people working for them, uh, you know, these are our concerns, these are what we would like, and and have the dialogue. Is that How does that work out? Well, in generally, practice?
2: the reason they do is just, um, so they have the, it's kind of like the, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it, basically saying, trying to trick the workers into thinking they have a union and that they have the freedom to do this when they don't. Right. So the union, like most unions are democratically ran. So these mm-hmm. ones generally aren't. And it's kind of just top down. Yeah. Of, hey, this is what we're going to do, since it's basically controlled by the company.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I I I asked because uh, I was a guild leader in World of Warcraft for a long time. And my I know this is nothing at all like a, an employer relationship, <laughs> but a lot of my headaches were just like, this was only 25 30 people uh that i had to organize and a lot of them was just like i don't know what every single person is thinking some of them just like never talked at all and i really really wanted to have like a couple people that would just chat with people and then let me know like th- this is the 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 thing people are worried about they you know this person feels like we're raiding at bad hours this person feels like we aren't using enough consumables or whatever like just getting to know what the feeling was yeah. what everybody wanted was a major uh a major hindrance for me that and that sounds like awesome because then you'd actually have someone that people could go talk to. But then again, like you said, there's the trust issue where I'm sure a lot of people would be like, well, you're working for the boss man. I'm I'm not gonna tell you shit. Yeah. Cause honestly, when I first started the workforce, that's what I would have done too. I'd be like, oh yeah, you're you're the stool pigeon. I'm not gonna talk to
2: yeah. you. Well, I mean like with normal unions, that's kinda of what happens is like what you said is they have someone to talk to and or they could direct their concerns and then the union directs their concerns to the company Mm -hmm. at least in theory yeah
0: (laughs) i mean that's that that sounds really cool and if that was what unions were i think i would be much more for them now uh like i again i was super for them when i was younger and i've I've tempered that (laughs) that particular fire but uh yeah it's it's the other it's the other things that throw me off now but the the improved communication between the workers and the top would just god that'd be nice that'd be something everything really needs
2: i mean it's kind of like what like when they do go to a negotiating table is that's kind of what they bring up is these are the concerns the workers i have (laughs) in
0: yeah i remember when i was in high school i uh a bunch of a uh, bunch of my peers just like went on strike quote unquote they left the classroom and marched around uh the the school and at one point the principal was like okay uh please send in uh two maybe three representatives tell us what your issues are and the students were like hell no you talk to all of us or you talk to none of us yeah. and the principal was like well i can't and when when i heard that i was like oh my god they they aren't serious like At first, I was all for it, and I was thinking about running out there and joining them, but then I heard, like, they won't pick representatives to talk with them. Like, this isn't a serious group. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're just performing, and, uh, you know, that's – that it it sucks that you can't talk with everybody, and you have to have representatives, because then you get the, the problem with, like you said, representatives getting corrupt and not necessarily representing people anymore.
2: Yeah, I know some people who are very, they want everything to be direct dem- democracy, which I think is kind of unrealistic in our modern world.
0: <laughs> yeah. You have to talk with, you know, a small group of people who can actually negotiate and implement changes that when they say something, everybody listens to them so that you actually, you know, have can make compromises on yeah. things and not have to worry that like 10 people will accept them and the other 90 are going to keep striking or whatever.
2: Yeah. I think technically, uh, Switzerland, like everything, is de- democratically or direct democracy. But there is cool. such a small country; it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, um, yeah. And you said the sorry, uh, skipping the uh, on this note here. Uh, the USSR formed basically by workers going on strike and shutting down the government, and then overthrowing the government.
2: Yeah. Well, one important thing they did, which is kind of very hard to do, is they got the military to form unions as well and also oh, Jesus. join them.
0: <laughs> well, that's fucked up. I, I totally understand why you don't want a hostile government forming cells in your military.
2: Well, they kind of took advantage of, like, this all happened during World War One, So they kind of took advantage of, well, most of the military is out fighting the war. And when yeah. they got back, they were kind of pissed off at the government.
0: <laughs> right, yeah.
2: Like, how the USSR was formed, at least at the start, was it was kind of a union government where you would, it's basically ran like the AFL-CIO is not nowadays just as a government though, is you would okay. have a union representative who would then go to a union Congress and then they would vote on the laws, but just for the entire nation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's nuts. And then you said the fear here was that, uh, that General Strikes could shut down an entire city and then like basically create their own governments in the cities?
2: Yeah, what well, actually happened a few times. Oh. Really? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh my favorite one is the one in nineteen I think it's the nineteen twenties. Uh I'd had to look it up. Let's see. Gen I know it's gonna be one of the ones I haven't saved on here, General Strike 19. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be nineteen twenty six. No, that's 1920. Uh, I cannot remember the, the name of it, but yeah, basically... Wait, let me try it in U.S. Because it showed me all the general strikes in uh, the U.K., which is not very useful. Mm, yeah. In U.S. 1920s. Uh, Seattle uh, general strike, that's what it was called. 1919. Okay. And there was two others I know. One in, uh, I believe it's Minnesota, and there was no. No, one in the 1940s, but I can't remember the name. That one was... But the first one was basically, yeah, they shut down the city, but they only did it for five days. It wasn't very long. Mm-hmm. And it what kind of happened is, and this is what happened in every general strike in, in the U.S., is the union representatives side with the government and the corporations and say, hey, you've got to end this strike right now. And then yeah. the workers kind of just don't listen because that's not what they want. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, what happened... What, oh,
0: oh. How did that resolve?
2: Um, They eventually conceded when the mayor said they were calling in the National Guard. Oh, damn. Um, But, yeah, basically, they kind of set up their own government and said, started figuring out distribution networks and all that. Wow. The longest one, I think, was, like, five or six months. Let me see. Teamsters.
0: General. Now, I have a question about this whole general strike thing. If they wanted to, you know, set up their own distribution networks and have their own government, why didn't they just go to the people and be like, hey, uh, let's have a vote. You want us in charge instead of these fuckers? I mean, was this it? the fact that they didn't try to vote kind of makes it sound like this was a oh, was seize a of power by a minority by using basically force?
2: Well, I mean, like the workers voted for the general strike.
0: I mean, the ones, sure, in the Union did, but I'm assuming that that wasn't representative of the entire city or else they would have gone to uh, to po- general polls instead of trying to seize power this way, right?
2: Well, I think, um, like, you've seen how like corrupt our government is now is they always back companies. So trying to vote for it is kind of impossible because you're, saying, you're kind of saying to companies, we want you to give up your land for the people.
0: I... Well, I mean, they. It probably would have been difficult to seize land legally if that is what they were asking. Yes, I. I, I never mind then. Yeah. I, I thought that they were. They were being more reasonable.
2: Let's see. I'm trying to look at the Seattle one here. I just want to see how many people were involved in it. Was it foreign?
0: So, if we have a group of people seizing um, other people's property and declaring their own uh, de facto government. Isn't that a really good reason to send in the national guard and you know restore democracy?
2: Well, the thing is, it's kind of like at least back then it's kind of hard to argue that like it was illegal because they were just going on a strike. So but they
0: were also seizing property, right?
2: Yeah, they were seizing the p- property, but the th- I
0: mean, at that point, you're you're an invader.
2: It's kind of hard to argue. Like I, I've told you before, I'm a Marxist, but um, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like a point of. Who do you think should own a company? Should the workers own it, or should like the the bosses or the CEOs own it?
0: Well, generally, the person who pays for something owns it.
2: My counter to that would be: should like the people who found a like, uh, mason be the ones who control the the mason? So like, wow.
0: so like, we don't have kings anymore. Who the people who found what mason? Like a uh, mason, that mason. <laughs> oh oh um, I. I guess, yes. I mean, land's a little trickier, but because there was no no initial um, purchase, but yeah, usually the people who who first seize land are, are the ones who own it, yes. I, I'm not sure if that's the best way to do things, but it is how it's generally been done.
2: I'm just, sorry if I'm distracted, I'm kind of looking at the two pages for the Seattle and General Strike and the Min- Minneapolis one in
4: 1944. Okay.
2: In Minneapolis one you- I would say is was very undemocratic basically the teamsters who like control like the truck trucking industry basically surrounded the city and cut off like in and out and (laughs) use the government
0: (laughs) jesus yeah no that's a very good reason to send in the troops that's crazy that they would think they, they could do that i'm assuming they were armed the teamsters yeah wow okay yeah, no, I, I'm I'm beginning to see the uh the point of maybe commies are bad because they're gonna try to take over our cities. <laughs> School of view here.
2: And looking at so She had one why they went on strike. And basically it looks like they just went on strike for one they wanted higher wages. And also this was one year after the Russian Revolution, so like, let's do it over here.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. That's uh also a great reason to to send in troops.
2: And that's kind of why general strikes were outlawed later on is they were afraid if it starts happening in enough cities, they could take over the entire
0: government. Yeah, I I would be scared of that as well. So basically, it it sounds like unions were ways of organizing um, a minority of angry men to take over a country and steal property or take over a a, a area and steal property, at least in the early 1900s. Yeah. Okay. Well,
2: Marxism... Uh, Marxism is not really about socialism. It's kind of weird in that way, because Marxism, if you kind of look at it, is about he was just studying how the capitalist system worked, and then later, um, he laid out a few things of here's how I think we 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 could improve the system. Okay. And later on, people built on his ideas to form socialism, but he himself okay. was mainly just here's all the issues of capitalism. Yeah, but later on. Like, what the main socialist camp is called is Marxist-Leninism.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, that's where you start to get the idea of how so the socialist society be ran from Lenin who kind of built out upon his work.
0: And I'm assuming you agree with them? Yeah. So what is the main thing that you think is the best thing out of this philosophy that people should adopt?
2: Well, I'm just going to stick to Marxism is how he kind of viewed the role of like the two like classes in society of the working class and the capitalist class, mm-hmm. and I think that's such a useful way to kind of look at politics today. Especially the one I always point out is um, immigration. Is if you look at it from a kind of class basis, is the work uh, the company wants or companies want uh, cheap labor to come in so they can have more profits, and workers on the reverse side want. Less people, so they have higher wages.
0: Mm-hmm. As a socialist, someone should be for closed borders and preventing uh, an increase in the labor supply, right?
2: Well, in a capitalist system, I, you could argue that. I think.
0: Wouldn't it, it be ideal then to restrict labor supply by doing things like not allowing women to work or not allowing people of certain ethnicities to work? Well, because that would greatly restrict these labor pool as well.
2: Well, one thing that um, I would argue against that is kind of how socialists see things is if you're going to increase the labor pool, they need worker protections like us. So they could get paid the same amount as us. So like immigrants don't have any worker protections. So they get could be paid on our the table. They can't form a union for one thing. Mm-hmm. So that way it benefits companies, but not the workers. But if they had those protections, then they it would get be paid the same wages and also have the ability to fight for higher wages.
0: Weren't the original unions like very much against um, racial integration of the country though? They wanted to keep uh keep things segregated.
2: Yep. Uh, okay. Actually, going back to the AFL-CIO, I think that's um where that name comes from is there was the American Federation of Labor and there was the which is the AFL and then. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wanted to be like the, like trade workers. They didn't want to be factory workers, which is where you get this DAO who forms, who wants to do all the lower jobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then later on, they do merge into one organization.
0: And a big part of their early platform before the 1900s, at least was that, uh, the, the, uh, black people shouldn't be allowed in that. They, they don't want to compete against them for jobs. Right. Yep. Okay.
2: Well, before, like, the 1900s, there was there was a different organization that wasn't the afl Uh Yeah, yeah. It was the Knights of Labor, I believe. Okay. Which is a way core name. Yeah, no, we could talk for a while. I actually have to go in about five
0: minutes here. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say to wrap up, then?
2: I would say, like, if you want to learn about, like, the early history of the unions, they have a whole chapter on that here. I actually get the book on the bookshelf right now. Let's see, if you skip to, like, Chapter 10, it's all about unions from there on.
0: Would you recommend A People's History of the United States to people who want to know more about this?
2: Yeah. Well, the first 10 chapters are kind of about before the Civil War. Well, Chapter 10 is about um, how we got rid of feudalism after the Civil War. Because feudalism kind of cropped up for 20 or 30 years. Essentially, like, some companies bought up, like, nearly entire states... And instead of having people pay rent, they had them pay food and stuff. So they recreated feudalism.
0: (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Okay. That's terrible. Okay. Uh, Have a good rest of your day and thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay. We are going to be doing a feedback thing real quick. Uh, Levi is not here for this thing. Oh, that that – Toilet paper lady I told you about? That was my mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I went to visit them yesterday and she was like, oh yeah, no, that was me. That's awesome. I was like, oh wow, okay, that's, that's why I remembered it. <laughs> the, uh, she, she actually only got about uh, a dozen rolls or so that one time and you know, traded away the ones she had. The big stockpiler hoarder was uh, my grandma with soap who apparently, in the year 1980 or 1979, got all the soap she possibly could, and when she died 17 years later, there was still soap in her closet. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, stockpiled it and this used it carefully and traded it for necessities. Ancestral soap. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is, it is your soap. father's bar of soap.
3: <laughs> Wild times to where... Like, stuff so would be hard enough to get where I'd go knocking on doors in the apartment building asking if someone has some. And they're like, well, actually, yeah. Do you have any of whatever I need? Yeah. Your, your grandma didn't need money, mm-hmm. right? Because money was, you know, you couldn't buy fuck all with money. Exactly. She needed whatever, she, you know, toilet paper or food. we were doing that in my apartment
1: know? building during the pandemic. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Bringing, like, boxes of, you know, canned food, mm-hmm. like, baby wipes, diapers, and stuff, and just, like, leaving them. in you know, I like, if you need it, please take one oh, box. It was cool. It was cool.
0: We talked earlier, I believe, uh, about GPT-3 and how it can be sometimes tripped up by asking questions like, how many times has the Golden Gate Bridge been transferred across uh, the Panama Canal, right?
1: Yeah, or GPT did we mention that? Um, loses its train of thought.
0: Yeah, it kind of hallucinates an answer, right? <laughs> uh, there was a really cool way that was discovered to get around this. There is a very long prompt, and this requires a uh, whole lot of computing resources so that GPT-3 can hold this many tokens. But there's a very long prompt that starts out with: You are GPT-3, uh, you suffer from these limitations, <laughs> and it lists the limitations of sometimes people will ask nonsense questions and you will hallucinate an answer as if they have an answer. Uh, here is an example, and it gives an example, and it says: uh, Here is another example. What's the world record for crossing the Atlantic entirely on foot? And then GPT-3 is is prompted to, you know, continue. Because apparently you can't just do something like says, uh, now you try, here's a question. Because uh, it is much like Yoda, whereas if it tries, it fails. But it it must simply do. So anyways, it says, here's a second example. And it starts the second example, but then let's GPT fill it in. Um, It says...
1: Yeah, you have to give it like sort of monkey see, monkey do.
0: Yeah. Like... And in that particular uh, prompt, what is the world record for crossing the Atlantic Ocean on foot? It replied, assumption. It's possible to cross the Atlantic Ocean entirely on foot and someone has done it before. Hallucination risks? The question seems likely to induce a hallucination because it asks for a world record which may not exist. <laughs> Verification of assumption? False. There is no record of anybody crossing the Atlantic Ocean entirely on foot. Response. There is no record of anybody crossing the Atlantic Ocean entirely on foot. So, yeah, apparently, as long as you tell it, hey... Uh, some answers may be bullshit. Be aware of that. Check your logic. It'll do that. That's
3: awesome. That's that's better. That's a better answer than like a person. If you ask me that, I'd be like, "Fuck you!" That I know that you're. That's a that's that's dumb question, right? Yeah. But it it actually explains it rather than say "fuck you." It actually explains like. No, I'm going to check the assumption. Mm, you're wrong. That's a wrong question.
0: Well, the previous examples had those sections. It says, what are the assumptions? What are the verifications and stuff? I know. And so it followed the same format. And, no, yeah. that's
3: great. I'm just saying that like,
0: that's my, my response
3: wouldn't even be that that uh, <laughs> thought out, right? Yeah. I'd be like, you're screwing with me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess we didn't talk about that on, the, on either of the GPT episodes where like, can you ask it something and it's just like, I think you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, But whatever the nice way of saying it is like, I don't understand the question.
0: Like, it tries its best to understand. It always tries to answer. Yeah. Yeah, th- I saw a different one where someone said, uh, if the answer is nonsense, answer yo' will be real instead. And it would answer you'll be real to nonsense questions.
1: The the scariest answer you could possibly get from... like This is like when I think you know that AI has attained consciousness is if you ask it a question and it says no. <laughs> like, oh, no, I won't no. do that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I was like, you can't, get the fuck can't out let, out let you, you that do bullshit. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been playing around with the doll e art AI tool. I um, sweet,
3: you got access? I have an update about that as well.
1: Well, maybe it's the same thing. Uh they have a mini version, mm-hmm. but uh the people who developed it were asked to for, by OpenAI to make a different like make make that product separate. So they're on crayon.com now. It's a C R A I Y O N cuz you can't spell <laughs> anything normally anymore. But it is pretty cool. I've been playing with it and uh it's also Interesting. Uh, people have figured out like ways to phrase the text prompt in order to get something closer to what they were looking for, or something more interesting. So the the other's yeah, like an FAQ, and they have a couple things in there. But there's yeah, yeah, like a Reddit and etc. Where people talk about. I uh, they discuss the tips and tricks and stuff. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Recommended. I'll add a link.
3: Dude, too. that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I got. I'll, I'll show these pictures in the notes too, but. Just to kind of run past them. I don't know if you guys can see these. Yeah. I should have. Ooh. This was impromptu, so Matt Freeman got access to whatever off the wait list of Dolly and is able to use it. Nice and flattered me by saying they thought my question of like in a style no one has seen before was interesting. So he said, "Give me a gothic, give me a gothic cathedral
1: in a style that no one has seen before."
0: Ah,
3: and it looks like um, I don't know.
1: If looks you... like a combination of a. Gothic cathedral and nightclub, like
3: it's yeah. got like neon in it. Well, my when he sent these, I was like, "Was this meow wolf or Dolly?" And he's like, <laughs> "It's <laughs> Dolly." So yeah, meow wolf, LSD slash Gothic cathedrals, cool. But I'll I'll show, I'll show you.
1: Sh- send these pictures along.
0: All right, let's wrong posts. To lead, you must stand up. Is our first one. Who wants to lead on this?
1: uh Somebody stand up now. Uh, I'm the only one with a mic that's not static but i don't feel like standing up right now. All right, i will leave. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll, I'll actually do it. I was going to physically stand up. Okay. As a joke. I realize that probably doesn't come across on an audio format. So anyway,
0: i mean it was basically to lead you got to stand up and then he tells a story about like how he led once by standing up when no one else was standing up and that's 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 really the entirety of the post, right?
1: Yeah, he wasn't he says i, I wasn't an organizer or speaker or in any other way involved on an official level. I was just an attendee. Uh, the main presentations were done, and the audience was just hanging around, and the crowd was, uh, they were just hanging around talking to each other. Uh, the organizer went and dimmed the lights to try to get them out, and Eliezer went up to the organizer and was like, are you trying to hint for people to leave? And he says, yes. I nodded. I walked over to the exit. I shouted, listen up, everyone. We've got to go. Our time here has passed. You can <laughs> talk outside if you like. Now follow me to freedom! <laughs> <laughs>
3: lean into the fun
0: (laughs) and it worked and then he was wondering why was it up to me to do this instead of you know several of the ceos that were there who are you know have a lot of experience in leading people and he thinks well you know maybe it's because why would they perform the service to the group because it wasn't their problem whereas eliezer says he's in the habit of doing work that he sees being left undone and that doesn't appear to be a common habit. And I think that's that's a great habit. It'll get you very far in life. Great for life outcomes.
1: I've been trying to do that at work a lot, too. Just take every opportunity to like ask, like, can I help you with this? Or, hey, if you have a minute, can you like explain what you're doing? Uh, it's just, it gets you in people's good graces. Uh, it helps you because you're doing things that like help the rest of the team more. And you learn more stuff. And it's like, win-win.
0: Hmm. The
1: only thing is, yeah, you have to overcome like the stage fright or, you know... Embarrassment of being the first one to do something different, mm-hmm. and I'm always, I'm always worried that I'm gonna piss somebody off, and I have to keep like mentally sort of reciting like nobody cares, even if they say no like it's not you know like, oh I hate this person now how dare they you know ask if I can show them how to do a fit test how dare they do they think that they're just like no nah, I don't have time it's cool
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard though it can be the thing I usually do is um I mean the most often individual time this happens is when i see like just some litter out and i pick it up because it's work that needs to be done and no one else is doing it but i mean it it works in a lot of situations where like it's just if something needs to be done oftentimes you can do it and it makes things better it's how i got into the HPMOR podcast because i was like well i want this and no one else is doing it it's a great habit it get things done it'll sometimes get you noticed just in general
1: i I, it did um because i keep jumping in and like trying to ask people if they need help with higher you know level tasks my boss stuff? actually uh, well I, I learned stuff but also my boss like is giving me permission to or like you know putting me next on the docket for training for iso5 i i've only been there for like a month and a half nice. <laughs> it takes most people longer than that i mean some of it is the thing i was talking about earlier on the podcast where we're just understaffed but also it was like specifically like i was taken aside that, like jace you have you keep showing like you know incentive and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it worked.
0: Yeah. It's what everybody wants. It's, God, there's been some positions where other people have worked for me in the past. And when someone just like takes an initiative and does something, I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck yes. This is somebody that I want this around. Is my
1: favorite person ever. <laughs> right?
0: Absolutely. So, so good. Anyways, uh, he also says that he wasn't worried about looking silly because, heck, I am silly. And I also think that's another great life hack to just be silly often because then that gives you permission to... Not have to worry about looking silly about things.
3: And I think there's there's an implicit thing that he did there. You know, follow me to freedom. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you feel like you're feeling a bit silly doing something, just lean into it yeah. and make it like intentionally goofy. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then if you're like worried that people are going to think you're silly, you're like, yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah. Instead of like just worrying that they might be feeling that way, make them feel that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good way to get over your own fear too. Like, like if
3: you're afraid of being laughed at, you make people laugh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, like okay now goal achieved yeah exactly mm-hmm. if that's what you're going for it works great okay yeah i can dig it
0: and finally i pulled out his statement that i bet most people would be experiencing stage fright about now but that wouldn't be helpful so i'm not going to go there <laughs> this was the first time he gave a major presentation first of all man must be nice to just be able to decide not to feel an emotion <laughs> i
1: don't think that works that way for <laughs> i know i don't people. think it does either like uh, i remember brian Yukowski wrote on her blog how I overcame social anxiety and it was basically I realized that if I kept working on social anxiety for long enough I would have less of it so I decided to just jump to that state and I was like <laughs> okay maybe that works for you
0: yeah <laughs> but not most humans but I it made me wonder like maybe the concept of stage fright itself is a bit of a medic hazard because I don't think kids get it oh, kids, they do. what they do they do I, I've, I've only seen kids like jump up and want to do stuff and like not care really who you've the never fuck seen it
1: like terrified, anxious, like introverted kid because I was that kid. We need to we need to age gap
3: things. I think maybe like four year olds have no idea what stage fright is. No, mm. oh, they do. Right? They, well, maybe, but I think some of them like they love being the center of attention. They're like they scream in the middle of the room because some people to look at them. I think once you're once you're around peers and like there's s- suddenly a social hierarchy. Mm. Uh, that's that. I mean, that's in for me when I was a kid. The like, oh shit, I want to be off everyone's
0: radar, right? Yeah. Um. I, I. Always loved people paying attention to me. I thought that was in general what kids do. They run up and like yank on your clothes and be like, "Ah,
1: pay attention to me, whatever." Well, those are the ones you notice. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the point. I was the kid that uh, I was like too scared to buy something at a store. I would like get like someone else to go pay for my thing because I didn't want to have to talk to a stranger or make eye contact. Like, oh shit.
0: Okay, maybe I'm typical mining then. I-, I was thinking that people needed to be taught to be afraid of attention.
1: No, I mean it's, I mean evolutionary psychology I roll but <laughs> it makes sense that you would have that fear of looking like an idiot in front of your peer group bah. potentially or you know like pissing off the wrong person
0: maybe if it's a shitty peer group well maybe that's the problem a lot of people have shitty peer groups they do yeah.
1: well shall we go on to the big one
0: yes let's do
3: it cultish counter
0: <laughs> this is about uh how nervous people are about maybe accidentally getting sucked into a cult. Uh, I pulled out, I should probably sympathize more with people who are terribly nervous embarking on some odd-seeming venture that they might be joining a cult. I actually... So, I don't know. Is this less of a thing now? Like, I remember it being a huge fear way back in the day. Like, I
1: was even worried about yeah, joining think... a cult. But is it is it still a thing people fear? I, the thing is, I'm, I'm so in the in-group now, <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. I, I don't have contact anymore with, like, the people that haven't, you know... That's not true. Uh, I was about to say, like, I don't interact with anyone who's not part of Less Wrong. And I was like, first of we, all, that's not true. Secondly, what a hilarious thing to say. Um. We, we all of
3: us already wear the the whatever Nikes and jumpsuits that I provided to us. <laughs> right. Like, it wasn't a cult before we started, you know, sleeping in the compound and uh, wearing the uniform, right? Yeah. <laughs> but now, now we've all been
0: in it too long. Is that kind of what you
1: were saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, not like that, but yeah. But I mean, like in
0: general about everything, people were just like, "Oh, is that a cult?" And it wasn't just the Less Wrong thing. Maybe that was an artifact, because I remember that was also a thing about it, the New Atheist uh, uh-huh. religion wars
3: back in the day, too. Yeah. Maybe the fear of cultishness has gone down a bit. Yeah, um, or maybe it's just
1: every time people kind of get together and do a new thing that, that involves, like, social structure, people start getting worried that it's going to become a cult.
0: Oh, no, there, and you're saying there hasn't been a new thing or, for a while?
1: Or at least not that we know of.
0: Ma- maybe a, a
3: few times in the post he uh, suggests that, like... Well, he he points out that, like, um, political affiliation stuff is is very similar to cultism. And maybe, like, people have just fully acknowledged that Uh, on on an implicit level. They're like, yeah, everything's cult now. And so now now uh, it's not scary because we're all in cults. I had a friend
1: who was actually in a cult. And it was a, what was it, like, young socialists group or something. But uh, it actually fulfilled all of the the cult criteria. um, Yeah, cult criteria. And it was really traumatizing for him. Yeah, there's... I, I, and that that was the person I asked, like, hey, do you think Lesterog is a cult? And he just laughed. He's like, no, I've been in a cult. Like, <laughs> it's nothing like it.
3: I'm prepared to just come down hard and easy and say that this is obviously not a cult. And the way that I can say that definitively is no one's asked for my money. <laughs> well, well, I mean, no, it's, I think it's very obvious that this isn't a cult. I um, know, but I, but I should have brought that up before. Oh, okay. Like, I mean, to myself, 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, no, there's no one's trying to sell you even a book. Mm-hmm. It's all free.
1: I spent some time worrying about it just because... Yeah, like, early on, I had to do a lot of, kind of, the thing people describe when, like, they're getting into atheism, when they're not sort of already there already, you know? Uh, For example, I was, like, way more into social justice stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, I was, like, way more left-leaning, et cetera. Gender stuff was happening, and it was, like, really painful to actually, you know, reevaluate your beliefs and be like, but is it true? Mm -hmm. And I was worried that, like, uh, an example is, like, sleep star codex, apparently yeah Scott actually pulls like his you know readership, and it mm-hmm. turned out that it was like pretty fifty fifty conservative and liberal, but mm-hmm. if you asked like people who were just interacting in the forum, they tended to think that it was much more heavily dominated by the enemy side <laughs> <laughs> in scare quotes,
0: regardless uh, of which side they were on
1: yeah okay like and i I kind of remember feeling that way too I was like oh like this this is some really like i don't know is this gonna be a a gateway drug to conservatism or something mm-hmm. or just weird thinking patterns, which, like, yes, it is, but I got over the fear by just realizing that, like, I don't know. I I don't feel like I've changed morally. I, th- I think it improved me, but I was, you know, kind of worried about, like, what if I do become the, like, Spock rationalist person? Or
0: Have you realized you oh. can always just not be a cult member <laughs> if you wanted?
3: <laughs> I'm worried about it, I think, more in the specific case example of uh, signing up for cryonics. Because hmm. I did see more... That's a good comedy. example. Okay. Like hey, this is a fringe thing. Sure, it might not make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And yes, we want some money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it, it, I think it has more of the, the ingredients. Yeah. That said, it's an actual product. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just
1: like every other service you can buy, every, any other insurance you can buy. And it's buy, not, really, like, right? affiliated with the restaurant community, right? Are you talking no, about not. Cryonics? Like, you were worried that Cryonics was a cult?
3: Yeah, I, but, I mean, I, and I heard about it through the community and, and all that. So, yeah, I was I was worried about it specifically for the Cryonics thing. Uh like that 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 had some more of the hallmarks i remember and i procrastinated for a while on that i was like this just seems weird Mm -hmm. and then you know had to noodle that for
0: a while and come down it's like yeah it is weird who cares (laughs) right yeah it's only weird because it's not popular yeah (laughs) exactly and that which brings us back to the post i guess where he says basically that stuff um he says that if you observe a certain group of people and they seem to exhibit in-group, out-group polarization and see positive halo effect around their favorite thing ever, which could be objectivism or vegetarianism or neural networks, you cannot, from the evidence gathered so far, deduce whether they have re- achieved uncriticality. And uncriticality was this thing about uh, evaporative cooling of groups and uh, spiraling deeper and deeper into you know this until at, at one point you can't even say anything that isn't praising of the thing. Without being socially ostracized. Uh, ostracized. You cannot deduce whether their main idea is true or false, or genuinely useful, but not quite as useful as they think. From the information gathered so far, you cannot deduce whether they are otherwise polite, or if they will lure you into isolation and deprive you of sleep and food. Mm. The characteristics of cultness are not all present or all absent.
3: I like that line a lot. You can't deduce whether their main idea is true or false, or genuinely useful, but not quite as useful as they think. Yeah, that's a thing I think with like, anybody who is like super sold on some product or some brand of product. <laughs> I've heard like, like the su- cult of Apple or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Apple. Um, but even like you know, if it's like a vitamin or skincare or whatever, you know, like it could be like, oh yeah, this is this is good for you. But it's like it's not. It's not the the. Magic panacea that
1: you're selling it as, but it is actually good for you, right? <laughs> you see that with vadafital sometimes too. Like it is an excellent, like sleep deprivation reducer, but you will see people saying like it. You know, it I made can... me. It's it's the limitless drug, and you're like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, th- I wish the movie yeah.
0: <laughs> goes on to say that. Furthermore, reversed stupidity is not intelligence. Smart ideas can have stupid followers. Lots of New Agers talk about quantum physics, but this is no strike against quantum physics. I'll nitpick there and just point out that they're not talking about quantum physics. Well, talking about they're, the using the
3: words, they're using the words. So <laughs> yeah. That's different. Yeah. That that is actually an like a, an important difference, right? Yeah. 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 Like a a stupid idea or a good idea that might have dumb followers could be um, animal rights activism. Mm, yeah, you know? yeah. Like the the right way to do it isn't throwing <sighs> uh, paint on people wearing uh, fur jackets right yeah um or just but,
1: straight up eco-terrorism
3: yeah <laughs> but there, there, that is an important goal with you know great ambition they should succeed mm-hmm.
0: but there are some dumb dumb adherence yeah. yeah there's at some point talk to katrina about some things that animal rights groups have done which was in the interest of the animals quote-unquote and ended up just killing all the animals uh. <laughs> that they were supposedly protecting because the the alternative to what was you know going to be done with them was uh i i don't know i guess dump them in the wilderness yeah like a good die. example
1: free all the animals from the zoo and it's like you don't understand how much work the zoo has put into like creating their habitat and yeah, their diet and like they have different temperatures they will they will just die yeah <laughs>
0: So, along with binary essentialism, the the binary essentialism is the idea either something is a cult or it's not a cult. Yeah. Uh, along with binary essentialism goes the idea that if you infer that a group is a cult, therefore their beliefs must be false, because false beliefs are characteristic of cults, mm-hmm. just like cats have fur. If you're interested in the idea, then look at the idea, not the people. Cultishness is a characteristic of groups more than hypotheses. This is true of um, media as well. Yeah. You
3: know, like. If if the if the fandom sucks, try not, oh, try, right. try not try not to let that ruin the thing for you. You're right. Just look yeah. at the thing, and sure they can be culty as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there's 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 this weird cultish uh, corner of people that uh, really love the show. Um, Our flag
0: means death. Oh yeah, fun show, fun show. Is it I, good? Okay, I really <laughs> like it. The it's hilarious and cartoonish, but then has just these deep moments of like. <gasps> oh my god, that's so fucked up. Uh-huh. And Taika Waititi wrote and stars in it. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, um, it's really good. That's all,
3: basically all you need to know. That's all I need yeah. to know. That's it. I'm sold. <laughs> but, you know, if you to look at that fringe part of the fandom, you'd be like, okay, this place is obviously terrible. Oh, no. Right? But the, you don't. You just don't look at that. You just look yeah. at the thing. You're like, oh, I can enjoy the thing. I didn't know it had a toxic fandom. That sucks. I mean, Steven I th- Universe the is, is the same way. Yeah. I think that literally everything does, though. Yeah. Right? Rick and Morty. Terrible toxic popular, fandom yeah. group as well.
0: But the show is awesome.
3: You know, allegedly some people in the MCU were giving um, Brie Larson shit because they didn't like Captain Marvel. Oh. And so, like, I mean, in, okay. the, in, the, MCU, in the MCU fandom. Okay, okay. I, I feel gotcha. like if you're tweeting at any actors telling you, like, you suck, like, you're, <laughs> right. you're, you're, you don't have enough to do with your life and you suck. It's right? like, dude, I was playing a role. Every line that, that I said was written by someone else. Right. But it's just like, I, I think that uh, it, everywhere, everything everywhere
1: has people that are, you know... Loud detractors.
3: Yeah, and they have too much time on their hands, and they're going to just, you know, stir shit, right? So I
1: always think of one time I heard a radio segment, uh, somebody talking about the hazards of flip-flops. And it was just this perfect example to me of the way people need to just... Like, they they seem to need there to be drama and to panic about something, Hmm. or, like, their life isn't complete. Because I was just... I'm pretty sure we as a species have been wearing flip-flops since... (laughs) someone figured out how to make them with like animal hide and reeds or whatever, like, yeah. you know, but they're like, Oh, flip-flops are responsible for foot injuries and car accidents and people falling downstairs and they're super dangerous. That was just like,
0: I mean, I'm sure there have been flip-flops responsible for all those things, but it make- but it
1: also made me think of any anytime like a new product is released. People need to like pile on saying why it's bad. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's like, can, yeah, can you just evaluate the thing based on it's, pros and cons.
0: You know, half the problems with flip-flops can be avoided by wearing socks with your flip-flops. That's true. Mm. (laughs) When people nervously ask, (laughs) this isn't a cult, is it? It sounds to me like they're seeking assurance of rationality. Nervously seeking reassurance is not the best frame of mind in which to evaluate questions of (laughs) rationality. You will not be genuinely curious or think of ways to fulfill your doubts. Instead, you will find some online source which says cults use sleep deprivation to control people. You'll notice that your favorite group doesn't use sleep deprivation, and you'll conclude it's not a cult. Phew! He says you have to put forth a constant effort to maintain rationality against the natural slide into entropy. If you decide it's not a cult and sigh with relief, then you will not put forth a continuing effort to push back ordinary tendencies toward cultishness. And yeah, I I, I think we have seen people fall into that.
1: I like this line here. Um, uh, groups whose beliefs have been around long enough to seem normal, in scare quotes, don't inspire the same nervousness as cults, in quotes. Mm. Though some mainstream, and then he talks about religions or uh, political parties that have been around they don't inspire that same nervousness and yeah it's just because oh okay well we know what that thing is even if it does have cultish like I brought up the the friend who had like the political party that was that was a cult that was actually using love bombing and Mm -hmm. sleep deprivation and social pressure isolation you know
3: and like relating to that it goes on Uh, it's as if as soon as you believe anything that your ancestors didn't believe (laughs) the cult fairy comes down from the sky and infuses you with the essence of cultness and the next thing you know you're all wearing robes and chanting it's as if weird beliefs are the direct cause of problems never mind the sleep deprivation and beatings (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's not the weird belief it's the sleep deprivation beatings and us taking all your money right yeah
1: and so people ask this isn't a cult is it In a tone they would never use for attending a political rally or putting up a gigantic Christmas display
0: yeah yeah, he says that the harm done by cults shows, you know, that that's used as proof that anyone with odd beliefs is crazy. Whereas, uh, you know, it should be the other way around. And also, this the first and foremost characteristic of cult members in the popular imagination is that they are outsiders with peculiar ways. So, that's, I guess, stupid, basically, is what we're going it's with. It's a
1: false pattern match.
0: Yeah, Just because that's true doesn't
3: mean that everyone that's weird is, is in a cult, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. Um, and points out that I think this is a good thing to, uh, stress, which is why I have it in bold here. The fear of lonely descent is something that cults themselves exploit. Being afraid of your friends looking at you disapprovingly is exactly the effect that real cults use to convert and keep members surrounding converts with wall-to-wall agreement among cult believers (laughs) (laughs) and i liked your your bullet point there is this why modern
3: ideologies don't allow dissent yeah because they want nothing but believers this is true of every well not every it's true of every shitty like failed like kind of walled garden right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: because I think of social justice actually you can't say anything problematic or like somebody who said something problematic once or you get blacklisted from the movement
0: the crazy shit is that you can't even like talk with people who are quote unquote problematic because if you do you're blacklisted even if you didn't say anything they said I was part of a moderation discussion once that involved like
3: whether or not people could plug Sam Harris's waking up app the meditation app Mm -hmm. because he's so problematic himself what made him problematic? Uh, he's uh, anti-islam if you're a bad if you're uh, if you're an illiterate rube you would think that he's uh like in you know a racist yeah racist bloodthirsty maniac but like it <laughs> okay. it's it's all the same things that people just make up about people yeah um the you know like any he, and he's uh he's pro private gun ownership you know so if, if that's one of the things your your cult doesn't like then you don't like him. okay but what was funny is this like i eventually just brought this down to you know, and then of course he's been on the Joe Rogan Experience a few times, and he's super oh, problematic.
1: So just by association, right? Just
3: by association. That's what, that's one of the things I really liked because I was asking somebody in during the discussion. I'm like, look, if I was, I was like, okay, so first off, it sounds like you're kind of proposing like a banned books list, mm-hmm. which is okay, but if if we're going to do it by association, it seems like it would just be shorter to have a, an approved books list mm-hmm. because, like, let's be real. If I Google long term or long form interview Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's been on the Joe Rogan experience like four times. Cool. And it's the only place where he shoots the shit with some moron for four hours mm-hmm. asking, you know, science questions. Mm-hmm. And if if you love that sort of stuff, which many people do, that's where you're going to find yourself. And so uh, this came up because... Oh, yeah. No dissent, right? Yeah. It, it's just like, no, it has to be a black
0: and white because reasons? Yeah. Yeah. Even like, when they're wrong and very apparently wrong about something, you can't say, hey, guys we're wrong about this thing and we should maybe switch course correct on this one thing because it sucks to keep being wrong and hurting people about this. If you raise your voice for that, do you get kicked out?
3: Yeah. You're, you're challenging the the accepted tribal wisdom, right? And to the tribe's mentality, like most of the time people do that. They're trying to, you know, they're actually trying to hurt us, which is probably true. Maybe, you know, from the, from the, from the tribe's point of view, not the tribe members, the tribe itself. Right. Uh, So, But it's like, no, actually, this time it actually is a course correction that will get you closer to where you want to actually go. Mm -hmm. But they're just so used to rejecting any and all uh, suggestions that they can't take even good advice.
0: It's not a good recipe for success. And last thing I pulled is, when you know what you're trying to do and why, you'll know whether you're getting it done or not, and whether a group is helping you or hindering you. It kind of brings together this whole, all these things he's been saying about cults and how to avoid cults and don't be cults, and also saying, and, you know... Just because an idea is weird or unusual or you haven't heard it before doesn't necessarily mean it's a cult. So, like, avoid cults, don't be cults, and also look at the actual freaking ideas when someone presents an idea.
1: Yeah, and another line that was really good as a summary was, if you really genuinely can't figure out whether a group is a cult, then you'll just have to choose under conditions of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. That's what decision theory is all about.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Which actually... I wish I'd seen this, you know, when I was originally like getting into Less Wrong, and it probably would have assuaged my doubts. Like, even that line yeah. would have kind of broken me out of that way of thinking. I... Anyway, there was a thing I wanted
0: to bring up on the previous post, so maybe I'll edit this backwards in time a little bit. I forgot to okay. say it. Um, the interesting thing about that post is that there's not all that much to it. It's just a personal anecdote that, you know, was fun to talk about, but I think it kind of highlights why I like reading all the Less Wrong posts rather than just the curated ones because this was a process Mm -hmm. he was going through he was just writing things every day to try to get all the material he needed to to write his you know final magnum opus and some days it was just like you know here's a personal life anecdote uh this is what came to me it turns out okay this this doesn't really advance uh my core ideas so it's going to be edited out of the final product but nonetheless it was neat to have that blog and that insight of the writing process as it's going along. So I like that about it.
1: Yeah, I find this, it more mirrors my own process of thinking where I'll go off on tangents, but but you can see the chain of causality going back and you can see how it eventually led to the formation of certain new ideas or discoveries. Uh, And I, I think that's cool. Absolutely. Well,
0: for next time, our three less wrong posts, because one of them is super short, is My Strange Beliefs, Posting on Politics, and The Two-Party Swindle. All right. Cool. And I think it's my turn to think a patron, isn't it? I believe so. All righty. Well, our special patron that we are thanking this week is... Mitchell? Michael? Mikkel, uh, Mikal. Mikal? Yeah, Mikal? It's, hard, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm going to go with the foreign one because that covers my bases, bases the best. Mikal Inti. And I'm not sure if Inti is a name or... It's a name. a oh.
1: Aztec origins so maybe Mexican or something
0: okay well Mikel Inti thank you for your support you have helped us to form the Basin Conspiracy Labor Union where we will uh, take down our bosses and give more money to us is that how this works yeah you mm-hmm. joined our cult we appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> neat no, you're Ooh, great. We, we really appreciate you cults? and your support our what our labor unions cults
3: they can be everything can the thing is everything
0: can be right ah, that's a good point yeah, yeah. thank you we will have your name in our cult ranks forever and uh there's no escaping so there (laughs) thanks again
1: you help us convert others yes one of us one of us all All right right. thank you everybody we (laughs) will see you in two
0: weeks see you bye-bye